Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. What's going on? It is drive time on a cold and rainy Tuesday afternoon. We're looking at about six minutes past the hour of two o'clock and as it is every day, it's good to have you along for the ride. Spence Check, it's behind the mic. Porter Larson behind the glass. We're out and about today uh, with our good friends at the Dish Professionals. We do this once or twice a month with my guy Ryan and his staff out here. A bunch of good people that want to help you get the television watching experience that you deserve. So right off the top, you guys know the number. It's 801-424-DISH. And the address is 8034 South State Street. Best thing to do is put that address in your GPS and then just kind of follow it out here. If you want to come by, Ryan can show you how to use all the new equipment. And as of now, we've got a little Utah ASU from last week on one TV, which is great. And on the other TV, we have a replay of Monday Night Football from last night, which is not great for anyone. Uh, Certainly a New York Jets fan like myself. I don't know how much we're going to talk about that game. We do have some pro football guests on the show today. Uh, That was as bad as it gets when it comes to an island game in prime time. Uh, I have nothing left to say about Zach Wilson. Part of me almost feels bad for him uh, because it's not all on him, but a lot of it is on him. He is not equipped to play the position at this level. They can't block for him. He's got wide receivers dropping passes. The defense is nasty. They've got a great back in Brees Hall and a talented wide receiver in Garrett Wilson. And it's all going to waste uh, because they don't have a quarterback and they don't surround him with what he needs as far as protection and playmaking uh, to make anything happen. So we did have a Monday Night Football game. Uh, The Chargers won. It was an eyesore. But good news. Coming up on Thursday, the Panthers and the Bears. Huh? How about that, guys? A couple of nights off of pro football before Amazon Prime has you. Uh, taken care of in Chicago with the 1-7 and seven Panthers at the 2-7 and seven Chicago Bears. So some NFL news on the show today. Uh, Carson Wentz is back in the, in the NFL. He's going to sign with the Los Angeles Rams as it looks like they're going to be without Matthew Stafford for uh, a little bit. Uh, Brett Ripien, who played last week, did not play well. So little NFL news on a Tuesday afternoon, but a lot to do on the show. Uh, the Utah Jazz got blasted again last night. Uh, rough time for the Jazz, and I don't see it improving anytime soon unless they make a move. Now, we'll talk about it on the show because ultimately any conversation surrounding the Jazz has to be draped in the context of what the goal is of the front office. If your goal is to be bad, uh, one year too late. And if your goal is to be bad, you're doing a hell of a job. If your goal is to win basketball games, you're not even close. They're one of the worst teams in the league right now. Uh, we'll dig into it on the show. We've got some NBA guests, too. The Jazz have a night off. 
The entire NBA tonight has the night off. No NBA basketball tonight. Uh, 12 games last night, 11 of them, uh, were going on at the same time. So you could be distracted if you weren't into uh, Monday night football. But Chicago, before last night, had lost three straight. Already rumors about getting rid of Zach Levine and maybe even DeMar DeRozan. And the Jazz weren't even in the same stratosphere. It was, like, unfair. And, the you know, the bad thing here is now we're looking at four just actually five, excuse me, uh, just ass kickings. They're, they're just getting blown out. You know, the Orlando game here at home was close, uh, and they did make Denver a little bit uncomfortable down the stretch, but the Kings blew them out. The Suns blew them out. And now we're sitting here with the Timberwolves and the Bulls. I mean, these are just blowouts. It's not close. So get into some jazz hoops on the show today. There is one local team. Well, there are a couple local teams. Obviously, University of Utah football continues on. Uh, with a really, really good season. Uh, I mean, I know it's not what a lot of people were hoping for or expected, but it's hard to win college football. It's hard to be good in college football. Utah finds themselves at 7-2, and two, and they're the number 13-ranked team in the country, and it is Washington Week. The Utes will be up in Seattle coming up on Saturday at 1.30 on Fox. Our pregame coverage will begin uh, four hours prior to kick with Porter. He'll have you taken care of there, and then... Bill and the gang will take care of you for kick as Utah and UW will do battle. Washington is a 9.5 point favorite as we sit here today. And obviously those lines are fluid. They could change. And if they do, we'll bring it to you. The quest for perfection. Nope. Quest for bowl eligibility. Put that on a t-shirt. Cougs uh, down south. BYU 5-4. and four. They started off the season 4-1, and one, then 5-2. and two, But two straight losses, three of the last four. And BYU welcomes in Iowa State to Provo coming up this Saturday to try to get bowl eligible. It's a late night game. It's 8:15 on ESPN, and uh, the line has actually moved a couple of times now towards the BYU Cougars. Iowa State is a six-point, five-point favorite as BYU tries to get bowl eligible. Uh, their first year, <clears throat> excuse me, in the Big 12 Conference. Another local team, at least for now, showing well, is Real Salt Lake, our local little soccer club, with a victory last night against the Houston Dynamo via penalty kicks after a Jefferson Savarino free kick to equalize the game in the second half. Zach McMath saved the first PK of Houston, and then RSL put all five of theirs in the back of the net, and Real Salt Lake will at least live to fight another day. RSL back in action against Houston. Uh, coming up on Saturday, and that will be a do-or-die match. Doesn't matter about, uh, you know, what has happened prior to. There's no aggregate. There's no weighted goals. We're about four days away of uh, RSL from, I should say, RSL Houston. Uh, game number three, and it is the final stanza of the first-round series between these two teams. The winner will march on to face Sporting Kansas City. I often wonder for listeners who aren't soccer people at all when they hear me say names of MLS teams, if they're like, wait, that's a real name? Yeah, Sporting KC is the name. Uh, rival of RSLs dating all the way back to, you know, early 2010s. And if RSL wins on Saturday against Houston, Real Salt Lake will host another playoff game at America First Field. was out there last night. Uh, it was beautiful, great night. Didn't even need a jacket. It was like 60 degrees. Crowd was awesome. And uh, it was a fun night. Uh, ownership was in town. Dave Blitzer, uh, Scott Crace, his uh, his kind of right-hand man, the ownership rep out in this market, and Ryan Smith and his people were in the suite last night watching 
RSL get the win. Uh, Ryan had more than one eye on the Jazz Bulls game, I noticed, and uh, didn't seem like he was in a great mood watching his team. Once again, just they, they can't guard anybody. They turn the ball over. I, I don't want to be too critical because, again, there's a chance they might be doing this on purpose. But if that's really the deal, you guys missed out uh, a year too late. So we've got pro football on the show today. We've got NBA and jazz basketball on the show today. Of course, college football, it's the second iteration of the CFP rankings. We're going to see those released coming up tonight. And uh, I don't know that there's going to be a lot of intrigue. I'm doing some digging around, reading some things, watching some things. I think there's a chance Georgia jumps over Ohio State. But other than that, there's just not going to be a lot. I, I don't think Washington's win over Southern Cal is enough to catapult them in the top four. I think Florida State's still going to be there at four. But we'll get into it on the show today and talk some college football. All right, right out of the gates, our buddy Austin Gale, uh, who's going to join us from The Ringer to talk some pro football. Austin has been a good friend of the show and a guest for quite some time, and he's a good, sharp, young pro football mind. We'll do a little Monday Night Football, but honestly, I'm just not in the mood. Like, it's just, if you're a Jets fan, you should be offended that they continue to march this kid out of quarterback without even any thought of a second option. Like, bring somebody in. The Rams just brought in Carson Wentz, and the Jets, like, I don't know, man. We'll talk to Austin Gale today. About halfway home when it comes to the NFL season. Uh, pro football already halfway behind us. I say this all the time. We wait during the off season to get a little football, and then it comes back, and we blink, and it's almost gone. So we'll bring in Austin Gale today. If you want to get smarter about pro uh, basketball in the NBA, I say this every week. Tom Habershow is the guy to listen to. Sharp guy, analytically driven, uh, ESPN forever, then NBC. He's now with the Portland Trailblazers doing some work for them and has a sub stack he's a really good nba guy so we're gonna we're gonna dig in today with tom and learn exactly what's going on with the jazz and whether or not there's a fix on the roster or do they need to make a move and what happens if they don't so we'll bring in tom haber show today at 3 30 porter and myself will give you our big 12 and our pac 12 power rankings we usually do that on mondays but yesterday we were off by about 340 to make way for uh, Utah College Hoops. The women first, and they handled their business, as did the men after that. College basketball is back. We are we already had an upset. James Madison beat Michigan State last night in their gym. So College Hoops is back, too. So uh, usually we do it on Mondays. But today, on a Tuesday, we'll give you our Big 12 and our Pac-12 power rankings. Shake-ups for me, certainly on the Big 12 side. And uh, we'll see if Utah can rise up from where we had them a week ago. On the Pac-12 side. After that, Stevenson Sylvester for his weekly visit. We'll break down what Sly saw against ASU for Utah and look ahead to what we may see against Washington. And maybe do a little BYU, see if Sly thinks the Cougs can um, get bowl eligible this year. Uh, pretty skeptical at this point. Disappointing after that good start, but uh, it's been rough for BYU as of late. And then Porter has reached into his bag. He is percolating. He is scintillating as a show booker to bring in the effervescent, charismatic, always entertaining, <clears throat> excuse me, and informative, a man who owns two Pelotons and has two Emmys. He is Dave Fox. I'll be on TV with Dave tonight. We call it Talking Jazz. It's on uh, KMYU at 1035. So look forward to uh, catching up with Dave today. So Austin Gale, Tom Haberstroh, Stevenson Sylvester, Dave Fox, me, Spence Check. It's live here at the Dish Professionals. 801-424-DISH, 8034 South State Street. And about 18 miles northwest of us, I guess is how the crow would fly, 
is where we find the young man who hosts this show. He is Porter Larson on a Tuesday afternoon. How's your Tuesday, pal? What's going on in the studio? Uh, not all that much, Spence, but Tuesday's gone well. Um, yeah, it's, it's a little gloomy. Starting to feel uh, a bit like November. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to ta- talking a lot about that Monday night football matchup, of course, pretty much the whole show. Um, and then uh, we'll maybe get to some basketball and, and local football here, too. We will not be doing any of that. It was depressing. It was an eyesore. It was ridiculous. I, I mean, look, when I saw it, like, Porter, at least the Rams are trying. You know, yep. Stafford's going to be yep. on the shelf. This ripping kid, you know, whatever. He's probably a career backup. You got to try something, right? Like, you're going to waste a good young defense and some good playmakers if you don't at least try something. Yeah, that's that's the hard part is, is the Jets roster um, – is largely pretty good. Um, so the, the fact that they can't really pull anything together, the, the offense is, is just consistently sputtering, that's got to be frustrating, right? Um, and something that I, I, I'm not necessarily uh, uh, foreign to, being a Cowboys fan. But, uh, yeah, the, the roster's got a lot of strong suits. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll we'll get to the to the local stuff and, and let you wallow in, in, uh, in, in private. So a lot to do on the show on a Tuesday. Austin Gale will bat leadoff today to talk some pro football and look ahead to the rest of the season for the NFL. But before we get to Austin, courtesy of our good friends and your good friends, too, at Jersey Mike's. Go to jerseymikes.com for all their locations across the Wasatch Front. It's time now for your opening tip. Welcome to The Drive with Spence Checkett on Utah's number one sports talk. Now, into the studios of ESPN 700 to set the scene for the show. The opening tip in The Drive is brought to you by Jersey Mike's. With two dozen locations in Utah, Jersey Mike's is a sub above. Order online at jerseymikes.com. All right, so I reference this um, when it comes to college football. Down the stretch, we come here. And from the University of Utah standpoint, sitting here today in preparation for Washington coming up on Saturday, Utah finds themselves at 7-2, and two, the number 13 team in the country, and really, ironically enough, still with plenty to play for. Now, much like a year ago, several things have to go Utah's way in order to potentially put them uh, in a spot where they may be able to go back to the Pac-12 championship game. It's not pie in the sky, but it's something like it. When you look at the projections, it's still pretty clearly uh, Washington and Oregon, high speed ahead to that matchup, uh, that rematch, I should say, in Vegas. Uh, according to John Canzano, my guy, who I listen to, uh, that game is already sold out. So it's kind of anticipatory for sure. Uh, but I think it's pretty safe to say in the Pac-12 this year, there really is one tier of two teams at the top. And it's always good to wait. That's why early on I always talk about observation and not conclusion to see sort of what happens, whether or not the cream rises to the top, whether or not in a conference where at one point many people, including myself, thought this might be the best college football conference in America this year. I don't know that I'm willing to say that today. I still think it's right up there when it comes to what we're seeing with some of the other conferences. I mean, as of right now, as far as chances to send a team to the CFP, uh, because both Ohio State and Michigan are awesome, the Big Ten is at the top, SEC right behind them, then the Pac-12 right behind the SEC, with hopefully either Washington or Oregon, at least the two most likely teams, to represent the Pac-12 and the CFP. Now, if you get beyond Washington and Oregon, and again, there are still so many things on the table, plenty of things on the table for teams to potentially uh, march forward into that Pac-12 championship game, including the University of Utah, 
and even including Southern Cal. But the problem is if Washington and Oregon stumble. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And if we're looking at a scenario, and I look, I, I want to be very clear here. I don't think they're going to. I really feel like I've seen enough from both these two teams now. And, you know, with a tip of the cap to Utah, with everything they've been able to overcome, are they kind of in this cul-de-sac? Maybe, but they're, you know, at the base of the mountain if Washington and Oregon live at the top of the mountain. But we are going to see USC and Oregon this weekend. And Oregon's a very healthy favorite. And SC, I love that SC fired their defensive coordinator finally. And they're putting the new guys in charge of Oregon this week. You know, like, and believe me, uh, Alex Grinch, not sure how he held on to that job as long as he did. Uh, SC is the second worst defensive team in college football in points and yards allowed per game. And they're about to, uh, you know, have to go up to Otson to deal with Oregon. And certainly stranger things have happened. That's one of the things I love about college football more so than any other sport on any other level. It feels like the most unpredictable sport week in, week out with all the crazy things that happen. And then you think this team's awesome. And then they get smoked by some random team. So Certainly, stranger things have happened than Southern Cal going to Autzen and beating Oregon. As we sit here today, Oregon is a 16.5-point favorite, so I wouldn't count your chickens. And again, um, you know, as far as the guys left over to clean up the pieces behind Alex Grinch after he was fired, they're going to have to deal with potentially the best offense in America, certainly one of them. On Washington's side of things, you know, if you're Utah and you do have any premonition of potentially winning the Pac-12 again, you got to win out. You know, there's no doubt about that. Uh, that you know, that's as simple as I can put it. Utah is a 9.5 point favor, or excuse me, 9.5 point underdog at Husky Stadium coming up on Saturday. Uh, that line feels about right. You know, oftentimes if a line stands out, like when they gave SC seven and a half, I'm like, that's not even close. Uh, but that feels about right. Uh, Washington, um, you know, early on in the season, we thought potentially. They could separate themselves because not, you know, not only because of Michael Penix Jr., not just because of that offense, but defensively, they were actually returning a group that was somewhat middle of the pack. It's one of the, as, as far as the Pac-12 goes, it's one of the reasons I didn't buy into the USC hype preseason. I never really do anyway, because SC was returning one of the worst defenses in the pack, while Washington at least had middle tier. That hasn't been who they are as of late. Uh, and it wasn't just USC a week ago. They gave up 33 to Stanford. And as of now, they're 121st in FCS and pass defense and about 100 overall. So, you know, the, the tough part there is, as far as what Utah does well, I know we saw Bryson last week with a career-high four touchdown passes. But Washington's Achilles heel is their pass defense, 
And even though Bryson certainly is a great story, I think we can all agree that the throw game, as Kyle would say, is not necessarily Utah's strength. So everything's still on the table for Utah football as they head up to Seattle to take on Washington this weekend. And we'll see if the offensive explosion from a week ago, albeit against Arizona State, is something they can carry over because Bryson's going to have to make plays. He's going to have to make throws. That's what Washington, if Washington has a weak spot, it is their pass defense. Uh, and if Utah, unfortunately, on offense, um, you know, has something that isn't necessarily their strength, it is the throw game. So we'll have to see how it goes. Everything's still on the table. I always make it a point to point that out as we are sitting here now in college football. When you look at week 11, 11 weeks in in Utah, 7-2 and in the number 13 team in the country. It's still very good. Is it going to be historic this year? Probably not, but you leave hope alive. All right, we're going to get to uh, the BYU stuff. Is they're going to try to get bowl eligible? I do not see a win uh, on their schedule the rest of the way. The best chance is probably this weekend. But we are live today, as we are wont to do often, out here at the Dish Professionals with my guy Ryan. What's going on, man? Hey, buddy. How are you? I'm good. So uh, today there's a little more urgency than typical because we've been telling our listeners about the three-year price lock guarantee for probably seven or eight months now. Yeah. And it's a little... You know, it's nuanced. There's con- there's context here. You're going to see a lot of things, and you already have seen a lot of things rise as far as what you have to pay for them month right. to month. And you can help people lock in one price for three years, which is huge, but it's going away next Monday. Let's hear about it. Yeah, Dish actually yanked the promotion nationally um, at the end of the month. And uh, um, they tried to do that with us, and uh, we already had a kind of an ad campaign in place, and so they gave us permission to continue to uh, be able to advertise it. But, uh, yeah, this three-year promotion going away. and uh, But uniquely, they added back some of uh, the extras, the $300 gift card if you switch. So um, it's actually a pretty awesome deal. So we're kind of back to our – the creme de la creme of like promotion offers and this is the time you know if you call in you get this uh great three-year promotion we already see i've seen uh, multiple price increases with other providers they're happening it's just matter of the of the way the business works and this will be a a pretty significant deal to customers that take advantage of this and guys dish has all the channels all the jazz games all the uh byu tough football games all in one place and uh we can get you that great promotion Probably should be a little bit more clear as far as what this means. So if you are a DirecTV subscriber and you make the switch over to Dish, that's where you get the 300 bucks. $300 if you switch from DirecTV to Dish right now. That, that $300 gift card offer went away for a little while. We got it back. And then you also get the new customer promotion. But today and today only because you're here, we, we always like to little throw a little extra. So we're doing 100 bucks cash back to uh, all the other people to call and get set up. So, again, just for sake of clarity so you don't get people. And you should just call and ask these questions anyway. It's the easiest way to do this. If you're a non-DirecTV subscriber and you make the switch to Dish today, you do get the cash back. You get $100 cash back. So if you're if you're streaming and trying to patch together all that uh, – all the different apps to be able to get the jazz games, just call us and get the three-year promotion. The the Dish's main base package has all the Fox Sports and ESPNs, the TNT, and has the jazz games. Um, that's like 80 bucks a month. So if you call us up, we can get you that promotion, three-year promotion, plus the $100 cash back, movie channels. And even the NFL Red Zone promotion is still available this week also. So before I say you lose, I always want to underscore this because we've been doing this for so long, and typically it'll be like, all right, well, let's talk to our football fans here and our basketball fans there. Right. And for the first time that, that I can recall working with you, 
college football, pro football, jazz hoops, NBA, like everything that you want as a Utah resident and a sports fan is in one place really for the first time. And that makes it uh, the best year ever for us, really. And uh, that's awesome because we love being able to get everybody all the games. Uh, get them the best DVR out there that will auto-record the games. And uh, Dish has the solution with the best promotion. And we, If you call today, you get a little extra, but it's today and today only, so you got to call us now. So here's the deal. We always lay a lot of info on you. So what I just say is if none of that made sense, the best thing for you to do is dial 801-424-DISH right now uh, and then stop by 8034 South State Street. Good to be here, brother. We'll chat again. Thank you. There's our guy, Ryan, from the Dish Pros. Again, if any of that wasn't very clear, um, it's really easy to get answers. All you have to do is dial 801-424-DISH. That's 801-424-DISH. All right, coming up on the other side, we'll go over to some pro football. Austin Gale from the Ringer stops by, and then we're going to bring in Tom Haberstro. We'll do our Big 12, Pac-12 power rankings. We've got Stevenson, Sylvester, and Dave Fox off and running on a Tuesday. Keep it right here on ESPN 700. Yesterday, you're playing this intentionally because yesterday was Monday Night Football, and I'm a Jets fan, and I said off the top that we're not going to talk about it much, and you play this song. That's that's rude, and you're bullying me. This is cyberbullying. Oh man, I didn't even I didn't even intentionally do that, but yeah, uh, yesterday's problems are are still very much very much here. All right, great. So you're a subconscious jerk, Porter. Thanks a I lot, think, bro. I think that's the the, uh, the the reality here. All right, let's bring in Austin Gale. Austin Gale, our buddy from the Ringer, has been coming on uh, the show for a number of years. You know what, man? Like, Austin, I'll, I'll admit, part of me, like, kind of feels bad for Zach Wilson um, because there are protection issues and there are times when there are drops. But, like, the Rams are signing Carson Wentz. Why, why won't the Jets try something else? It's not working. And if the kid has any shred of potential left, they're going to kill it because at the end of this, there's just going to be no confidence. Like, Please help me understand why my New York football Jets won't try something else, Austin. I think we've talked about this before, and I've definitely talked about it with some of the my, my colleagues here at the Ringer. But it feels like it feels like ownership stepped in and said, "Hey, Joe Douglas, Robert Sala, you guys drafted the kid. Let's see it. Like and like, let's see it all the way through, right?" And I think that's why they didn't make a move as soon as the Aaron Rodgers injury happened. It's why they didn't make a move at the deadline. Meanwhile, the Minnesota Vikings are, might make the playoffs with Josh Dobbs and immediately made a move after Kirk Cousins suffered his injury, whatever. It feels like ownership said, you drafted him as high as you did. Let's see if this can work. And I don't think, I can't recall a head coach and GM being there to see failure of a top draft pick, specifically a quarterback, waste this kind of defense ever. Like, normally – a head coach and a GM don't last long enough for that defense to be good enough to see a failed draft pick hit this spot. And normally, if the, if the head coach and GM are still there, the defense is not this good, so it doesn't feel like you're wasting the potential, right? However, somehow, the Jets have found themselves in a situation where they're staring failure in the face every single week with the selection of Zach Wilson, an unplayable quarterback at this point, and watching them waste what is – I think one of the most electric defenses in the NFL, it's obviously not as statistically good as the Cleveland Browns or what the Baltimore Ravens are doing right now, but how much of that is short fields and turnovers forcing this defense into situations that no defense should be in. It's honestly hard to understand, but if I had to guess, 
ownership said we're, we're running with Zach Wilson the rest of the way. I don't want to mortgage any future draft capital to fix this position. All signs point to Aaron Rodgers being back at least by next season. We're going to ride with that. All right, man. Um, yeah, and that's probably the scenario here. Let, let, let me, you know, we're here in Salt Lake. We're 40 miles north of Provo. And, you know, BYU fans like to make a lot of apologies for BYU players who go on to play pros, uh, play in the pros. For years, Jimmer Fredette never could find the right coach. He wasn't in the right system. It wasn't like, oh, he's just not an NBA guy. He just never was. And so you hear all this, well, if Zach was drafted by the Niners, then he'd probably be an all-pro quarterback. Or they can't protect him. Or drops left and right, it's a bad spot for him. Is there anything that we can discuss today to be fair to Zach? Because I'm to the point now, Austin, where I'm like, get him gone. Okay, I'm done. As a Jet fan, I wanted to say, like, you can't protect him. As a Jet fan, I wanted to say, like, give him a minute. And now I just I don't have anything left. Is there anything left that we can say to give Zach Wilson the benefit of the doubt at all? Personally, I don't think so. Like, he, he is he is unplayable right now. He's unplayable, which is frustrating to say about a quarterback is selected as high as he was. But he is objectively hurting his team's chances to win by suiting up. With the sacks that he's taking, like everyone blames the offensive line, but, like, he is taking very bad sacks in situations where you can't take sacks. He's also throwing the ball over at an alarming rate. That, to me, makes him unplayable. And, like, if, if there is light at the end of this tunnel, I think it's a career trajectory closer to, and this is far from guaranteed, closer to, you know, again, if there's any success at the end of this tunnel, closer to, like, Geno Smith, right, where, like, you are sitting the bench for a while, right? Geno Smith, I think, was drafted in 2013 and didn't really see – Hit, didn't really have success until obviously this past year or the year prior with Seattle like that, like he needs time. And then some that's from a maturity standpoint, that's from just an experience standpoint, he needs a lot of time. And I think he, that he cannot get by being thrown behind this offensive line. And in a situation where there's no way it's a healthy locker room for Zach right now, it can't be, how could it be? You're actively losing this team game. So I, I do think he needs to be a bat. If he's going to laugh, He's going to need to be a backup for a long time. And then if given another opportunity, take advantage of that. Because he's right now, I, I just don't think any of the time he's getting, any of the experience he's getting playing for the team is honestly doing more harm than good. Uh, Austin, I want you to help me understand something here. Okay. So the, the Island games, the primetime games coming up. All right. Panthers bears on Thursday. Al Michaels is going to be very grumpy. Jets Raiders <laughs> Sunday night. Jets Raiders Sunday night. Zach Wilson, Aiden O'Connell Sunday night. And then Monday night, at least we get the Bills, but we also get the Broncos. Now, that one, I think, is digestible. And you hear the NFL at times express their desire to flex games here or there. They're a lot more flexible with it than they used to be. But when it comes to a weekend like this ahead, why don't they just make what appears to be a pretty obvious move and flex these horrible teams off our televisions it's tough i i will say week nine slate of games there aren't a lot of games that have me like you know as excited as what we had this previous week with i think multiple games that were were, were, were good enough to be standalone island games and i don't know I, I feel like i see the i see the groveling on social media i see the you know i talked to my friends who aren't in the industry and like you know their disinterest in this upcoming thursday night matchup or sunday night matchup and i say i say to them 
you're still going to watch. I'm still watching. I can convince myself to watch any NFL game. And what I remind myself is in July, I'm going to be praying for it. In July, I'm going to be like, I missed it. I need it. Give me Bears Panthers on a Thursday night. And the way you talk yourself into Bears Panthers is this is essentially who's getting Drake May, right? I mean, this is a very key head-to-head and who's going to be a either drafting number one or number two overall, in my opinion. The way you talk yourself in the Jets Raiders is both one team's on the opposite end of a disaster, looking to upkick with an interim head coach, an interim GM, a rookie quarterback out of Purdue. The other side is actively collapsing. When sometimes rooting for a collapse or watching a collapse can be a good time. And then I can talk myself into any game that Josh Allen's playing. So maybe that's the last half full look, but football's football to me, and I'm excited. And you're not wrong. You know, I'll be watching, and I might throw a few daily lineups in. You know, like, it's a fun yeah, – we all love pro football. Whenever the NFL's on, we'll watch. It just – I don't know. Give yourself some flexibility when they're just – and to your point, there aren't a ton of great matchups this weekend. But moving on now, um, you know, I, I think Mike McDaniels is kind of like this year's in-vogue coach where even non-football fans seem to, like, latch on to this intellectual little nerd who has an unbelievable story – but you know the deal, man. Miami has yet to beat a team that's over 500. Where are you at with them, and what are you expecting the rest of the way? I definitely worry about the Miami offensive line. It hasn't been an offensive line that's managed to stay healthy throughout the season. And I also worry about Tua Tungabailoa in situations, in obvious passing situations. What's underrated about the success of the Miami Dolphins offense, I know that we haven't seen that over the last three weeks, but the success previous to that, is that they're really, they were really good running the football. No team in the NFL handing the ball off to running backs averages more EPA per rush than the Miami Dolphins right now, and that's after the last three weeks. They are more than triple the second-ranked team on that list. Like They are a very good team running the football, but you can't do that in negative game scripts. And they've found themselves in situations where they've had to play catch-up a lot over the last three weeks. That combined with playing better defenses and all that stuff, playing better teams – puts them into situations where Tua is in obvious drop-back situations. And I just don't – like, as good as Tua is, no one is rushing to put him into the tier of a Lamar Jackson, a Patrick Mahomes, a Joe Burrow, a Josh Allen. If he is in a tier close to them, it's the tier below. And the reason for that is when situations aren't good and the game script is negative and the offensive line isn't great, Tua Tungabailoa has yet to prove he can overcome that or create beyond that. Outside of, the, outside of the structure of the supporting cast or the talent of the supporting cast, but also outside the structure of the offense. This offense is so reliant on his anticipation and his timing that when a single pebble gets into that wheel, it, it can unfold and unravel, as it has. And that, to me, is like the, the foundation of my, Mike McDaniel's offense is, is in some ways built Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. On getting a lead early and having an offensive line that can protect for two attacks by law and him getting the ball out quickly. But right now, they, teams are catching up to that as they did last year and uh, obviously it hasn't gone their way. As we sit here today, Austin, the Cincinnati Bengals have played themselves into the fifth shortest odds to win the Super Bowl. And, you know, at times when you hear, like, this quarterback's hurt or this player's hurt or whatever, you know, it's like, well, is he really? And then you watch Burrow early, you're like, that doesn't look like the dude. Like, I always talk about his final year in college as one of the most entertaining, unique offenses I'd ever watched as a fan of college football. And since then, he really has step-by-step elevated himself into the – tier that you you just outlined what stands out most and maybe it is simply burrow being burrow about cincinnati winning four straight now the mobility has picked up right and joe burrow isn't a mobile quarterback by any means no one's even putting him in the tier with like mahomes right mahomes isn't as mobile as an allen or jackson but like he is more mobile comfortably than joe burrow but like joe burrow needs to be able to create right some of the best plays in his lsu you know lsu days were him creating outside of structure and using his feet not necessarily breaking ankles like Lamar Jackson, but using his feet to extend plays. And he has done that and scrambled a lot more since the, the calf has healed. The other piece of this is I think the, the, the Bengals team overall is like, oh, wow, we can win any game we want. Now. But the confidence, I think it's underrated what, what having a legit quarterback does for the confidence of every other player on the team. I don't know if you remember, you're a Jets fan, you must, and Hard Docs and Robert Saul is just playing Aaron Rodgers tape to the team. And he's like, you know why we can win any game? This. See this? This is what we have. That is a difference maker. And so when you have Joe Burrow hurt and you don't feel like you can win every game and you don't feel like the offense is going to match what the defense has, it's harder to kind of build yourself up. And I think the Bengals are like realizing like, oh, man, we got that dude again. We have that guy. We can win any game we want. So everyone's stepping up their game. And Jamar Chase potentially out for a a couple weeks with his back injury. I'm not sure where that's going to go. But like with the rate or the, the ability that Joe Burrow has right now and how he's playing, I think the Bengals can still go on a decent stretch here. Let's stay in that division because I do want to ask you about Baltimore. Uh, they have the third shortest odds, uh, at least according to what I'm seeing, of winning the Super Bowl. They've also won four straight, Austin. What are your takeaways of the recent dominance that we've seen from the Ravens? Lamar Jackson obviously deserves his, fr- his praise, his flowers. I think new offensive coordinator Tom Mockett is doing a lot to unlock him as a passer, just a drop-back passer, and that has done wonders for the offense. I think it's made them more complete. When you look at you know, I mentioned that EPA per rush for running backs. Miami's one. The Baltimore Ravens are two. And that's without their, their, their starting running back. J.K. Dobbins got hurt week one. And they're finding ways to work with Keith Mitchell and Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. Obviously, Lamar Jackson being a threat in the run game allows for, you know, forces defenses to play things different ways. But they're running the ball effectively. Lamar Jackson, when he protects the football, I think there have been some fumbling concerns this year. But when he protects the football from the pocket, He's playing as well as he ever has as a passer. However, the reason Ravens are as dominant as they are is as good as Monken and Jackson in the run game has been, Mike McDonald and the defense have been better, right? They're, at, they, they're drawing comparisons to the 2000 Ravens defense. They're 
up there with the Cleveland Browns in terms of defensive success rate and EPA per play allowed. They lead the league in offensive points allowed per game. Like this Mike McDonald defense is the is a bigger reason why the Baltimore Ravens should be looked at as a legitimate threat in the AFC. Tied right now with the Kansas City Chiefs in terms of record. They steal that one seed away from the Chiefs. They're going to be number two behind the Eagles in Super Bowl odds very soon. Since you referenced the Chiefs, let's move over there. Seven and two, and they're the favorite to win the Super Bowl. And, of course, a lot of that has to do with their quarterback and their coach. But they have the third-best defense in the AFC. Uh, is, is that a schematic shift? Is it a philosophical shift? Is it better personnel? I mean, it's not like they've been horrific defensively. But we can talk about Mahomes and Andy Reid all we want, and they're incredible at what they do. But what stands out most about the way Kansas City has shown this dominance on, on the defensive side of the ball? I think Steve Spagnuolo is one of the more underrated coordinators in the league, uh, well, you know, one of the more underrated assistant coaches in the league. He continues to be an impressive play caller on that side of the ball. But the other reason, too, is that Kansas City has specifically invested in the draft on that side of the ball, bringing guys like Legarius Need, Trent McDuffie, Leo Chennault, Nick Bolton, Willie Gay, Mike Dana, all guys they've drafted, all guys they've invested capital in. And now it was a very young defense last year and the year prior it's getting it's getting older right brian cook the safety that plays for them is a is a a middle round pick out of cincinnati that continues to get better like they are doing a good job of investing and developing talent on that side of the ball because they have to right they have to invest in talent on that side of the ball through the draft and and identify ways to maximize what has to be a cheap group as long as Patrick Mahomes is on the books and Travis Kelsey is on the books, et cetera. They've invested a lot of money in the offensive line. Joe Tooney, um, Orlando Brown, like they have invested a ton of money on that side, on that side of the ball, whereas they've addressed, invested draft capital. That was always going to take time, right? The Chiefs defense was not going to be good a year ago or the year prior with so, many young ta- so much young talent on that side of the ball. But now they're developed, and they're playing really, really well, and they've been learned in the same system. I think, I think that, that side of the ball is going to be a big reason why the Chiefs remain favorites in the AFC to win the Super Bowl. Let's move over to the NFC, and my Super Bowl pick out of the NFC was San Francisco. And a few weeks back, I was like, yep, football genius hosting the show. No big deal. Uh, obviously, it's been a little bit rough for them as of late. They've lost three straight. Uh, they make a deal at the deadline to get both a little help on that defensive front. Um, through eight games slash nine weeks, where are you at with San Fran, and what are you expecting from them the rest of the way? Injuries offensively have been rough, right? Uh, Debo Samuel and Trent Williams have both missed time. That's always going to be a factor. Those are two of the best players on the team. Defensively, I think we're starting to see not having D'Amico Ryan show up a little bit. It's as talented of a defense as it was the previous year, but there's, you know, making adjustments now to this defense coordinator or opposing offenses making adjustments to what the defense coordinator likes to run is starting to happen now. The second half of the season is a big time adjustment era for the year right looking at play caller tendencies that are specifically new play callers and you're seeing that san francisco defense not have the same success that it had through the first you know four or five weeks of the season offensively with the injuries where does that put more pressure right brock purdy and as pressure mounts on a quarterback that he himself would say isn't in the top half of the league in terms of raw ability when pressure mounts on him and again you it's not all that different to what to what singabailoa does in the Mike McDaniel offense, anticipation, timing, accuracy. He's not as accurate as Tua Tungabailoa. He's not one of the more accurate quarterbacks in the league. Where he wins, anticipation and timing. He's tried to scramble a bit, and I think he's had some success as a scrambler in moving the pocket, but he's never going to be 
maybe not never going to be, but he isn't that caliber of scrambler. He isn't that caliber of throw power. He's that caliber of accuracy. And that's why he was drafted as low as he was. You're seeing the raw ability need to be better for Brock as stuff crumbles around him or like you lose players here and there, or the defense starts to take a step back. Um, it's not, you know, I think Tua Tungabailoa gets a lot of flack for winning within the structure of the offense. That went away for whatever reason with Brock Purdy, and people were excited to kind of call him the next Tom Brady. That's rearing its head now, and it's like, hey, Kyle Shanahan is still pulling the strings here, and Kyle Shanahan still has to make do with admittedly a bottom half of the league talent at the position. All right, Austin, before I say you loose, you just complete the following sentence and then unpack your thoughts as to why. The, uh, the, the most legitimate contender in the NFC to the Philadelphia Eagles is who and why. Man, I still feel like it's the Dallas Cowboys. I honestly do. And, like, I know that the Philadelphia Eagles blew them out in prime time. And we saw Dak not live up to expectation, like McCarthy not live up to expectation, that defense take a step, like, not have the success it had. Like, I'm counting on, in the playoffs, a good quarterback going toe-to-toe with Jalen Hurts. And it has to be a good one, right? Detroit Lions maybe are a more complete team than the Dallas Cowboys have. I don't have faith in Jared Goff getting over that edge in the playoffs. Same could be said for whatever, whoever, you know, Josh Dobbs starting in Minnesota. Same could be said for, you know, the, the, the teams in the NFC, like whoever wins the NFC South, am I taking Derek Carr against Jalen Hurts? No. Am I taking Taylor Heineke against Jalen Hurts? No. It has to be Dak. It has to be a capable quarterback that I think can win the edge. Now, San Francisco is probably, you know, better fitted overall as a, in terms of completeness to compete with the Eagles. I still feel like in the playoffs, what shows up the most is do you have a quarterback that can win it? And I think Dak Prescott, I know he hasn't done it time and time again. I think he's the most talented quarterback after Jalen Hurts in the NFC right now. Austin, you're the man. Appreciate the time. Enjoy those dynamite primetime games this week. I'll be watching too, buddy. We'll chat soon, okay? Absolutely. Thank you. Austin Gale, audience engagement manager for the Ringer and uh, formerly over at Pro Football Focus. And is, he does a really good job. Does some writing, does some podcasting for uh, Bill Simmons and company. Get him on Twitter, at AustinGale underscore is where you find him. All right, coming up next, you're going to be smarter about basketball if you listen to Tom Haberstroh. He's our guest coming up on the other side. But time to get smarter about television. Ryan from the Dish Pros. What's up, man? Hey, how are you? I'm good. All right, let's start here just so we're a little bit more clear than we were last time. You and I have been working together for at least 15 years, if not more. And for the first time, you have one solution for everything that those of us that live in this state love sports need. Let's hear about it. We do. Uh, Dish has uh, got the best lineup. We've got uh, all the jazz games, college football games. You can watch the NFL all in one place with the uh, best system out there with the Hopper, uh, biggest DVR. Dish won that uh, award since we last spoke. Uh, they won the uh, number one in uh, overall customer satisfaction that, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. for six years now in a row. Um, and we're excited because we got the uh, little extra promotion from Dish to extend the three-year promotion, three-year price guarantee, and uh, technically the promotion ended, but uh, we've got it up and running. We can use it this week, and um, so we have that, and we also always had the little extra when you're here. And let's get into the extra real quick. I want to paint a picture, though, because on Saturday, um, you know, sometimes windows don't work out. Games start at the same time. BYU and Utah have started at the same time this year a lot. A lot. So obviously, Utah game live, right? Uh, record BYU, Jazz are playing Timberwolves, record that game, uh, recorded uh, Oregon, recorded Bama, LSU. <laughs> and so when I was done with the Utah game, I came home, 
and then via DVR, so zero commercials, I watched BYU-West Virginia, I watched Jazz-T-Wolves, I watched the Bama game. Like, I watched four games within about four hours because there were no commercials. And you you seriously cannot do that on any other service because this is the one that has all of that. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, one of my favorites is the instant commer- commercial skip button Auto-hop, with, yeah. a, with a slow, mm-hmm. uh, we have a slow running play, mm-hmm. hit the skip forward button. Maybe you miss the commentary, but they're lined back up for the very next play. So a neat thing with football, and uh, guys, Dish has got uh, so many cool features from the remote locator. So if you lose a remote, it's got a remote locator on every single uh, receiver. I used that two weeks ago. Did you? Yeah, my my wife, God bless her, uh, she had some friends over. They dropped the remote behind the couch. Right. I thought the dog chewed it up or took it somewhere. Boom, hit the button. It's beeping. You don't have to spend 250 bucks on a new remote, which I did with DirecTV like five times. Yeah, my wife called me uh, about two months ago, and she's like, where did you put the remote? Yeah. And I'm like, honey, we've been through this. Like, it's we. There's a remote locator. She's like, Oh, yeah, there is. Just huh? hit the button. <laughs> it's the it's button. right there. Yeah, yeah. So she's tell- you make sure you mention that on the radio as well. There, there it's a go, great so. feature. Now, for our listeners who are DirecTV subscribers, I forgive you. I have been in your, been in your shoes. Right. I was in your shoes for 10 years, so I understand your plight. Uh, the good news is we have a big-time incentive for you to make the switch today. Yeah, so if you're DirecTV, you just got a price increase. They just did that uh, price increase, what, I think, on the 4th, so on Sunday. Um you, your bill went up, you're ready to pay more, or do you want to pay less? This is a great opportunity. DISH uh, has a much better system, much better uh, a billing structure. Your bill is going to be less. Plus, if you switch right now, there's a $300 gift card. Um, this is a, a big positive. Take advantage of that. And we're surprised that we still have that and the three-year promotion with three-year price, price guarantee and have that all in one place. It's truly a no-brainer, and you know I've had multiple friends finally break down and go, "Okay, I'm going to switch." They're like, well, how much is it going to be? And I'm like, it's probably going to be sixty to hundred dollars less than your pain. They're like, no way. But two of them were well over a hundred dollars mm-hmm. a month cheaper. So yep. it is a uh, it is a big deal. So we can save you a ton of money, and uh, it's an upgrade. And it, here's the other thing, okay? Before I say you lose for this hit, a lot of this is simply people don't want to be inconvenienced. Yeah, right? that's They're like, it, totally. you know, I'm good with my DirecTV, whatever. I'll save 30 bucks here or there, I guess. But I just want to go home from work and watch TV. I don't want to deal with all this. Right. You're a one-stop shop. Like, I've, I've used your installer, Dave, four different times, and I've asked him to do, like, impossible things. Right. And he, he's great at it. So if you think it's inconvenient, it actually isn't. All you need to do is just call. Call us up. We'll do all the work. We'll basically, you just say, hey, these are the channels I need. This is how many TVs I have. Um, we'll build everything. We'll come out and install everything up for you. And uh, we'll even program the one remote to run your stereo and your TV and everything all combined into one. And uh, we, you know, we talk about this whole direct TV thing, but what about everybody else, right, mm-hmm. that doesn't have, that has cable or has streaming? Um, so we did uh, we got a little extra money today. Um, Dish uh, actually throws in a little hundred bucks cash our way, so we're gonna give it to you guys. So you get a hundred dollars cash back if you call and get set up today and today only. It's a lot of info, so the best thing to do is just call right now at eight zero one four two four Dish eight zero one four two four Dish. Ron, you're the man. Thank you. All right, out here at the Dish Professionals, you can also stop by like this gentleman just did. Uh, Ryan can show you how to work the equipment. You can see, well, they're showing Monday Night Football still. I might need to get him to turn that off, but. 8034 South State Street, or the phone number, as always, is 801-424-DISH. 
All right, one hour down, three hours to go. Coming up on the other side, get smarter about basketball. And listen to Tom Haberstroh next on ESPN 700. ESPN 700 from Metal Arc Media. Tom Haberstroh joins the drive for your NBA Daily Assist. It's too late, Porter. It's too late. You've already bullied me to start the show. You claim you didn't realize you were playing yesterday to remind me of Monday Night Football. So I don't care if you potentially the greatest song of all time. It's it's too late. You've ruined my day. It's too late. I, I just I'm just trying to instill in you uh, some things that'll you know make you feel a little better about your jet, Spence. No matter right. how bad it gets, you just gotta let it be. All right. Okay. Okay. I'll try to take the message in, but after what you did earlier, I'm still kind of reeling. Let's bring in our guy, Tom Haberstroh. I say it every time he joins us. If you want to get smarter about basketball in the NBA, listen to Tom Haberstroh, our guest, on a Tuesday. Tom, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm good. As a Jet fan, I just don't get it. Are you Are you a football guy at all? I don't know that I've ever even asked you this before. Are you into football, or is it pretty much all hoops for you? Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I grew up with a Pepper Johnson poster, uh, LT poster in my room. So I am a crosstown rival. I guess would it be it like co-tenants rival? I don't know. But yeah, I'm a Gi- I grew up a Giants fan. I would say I'm less so than I was when I was a kid. But yeah, Giants fan. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, the Jets and the Giants. I don't know that there's a playoff roster there if you combine the two teams this year. So let's just move on to <laughs> basketball, Tom. Um, all right, man. Yeah. I want to dig in. I want to dig into it here with the Jazz. I, I want like. One of the things I've always appreciated about you is you have a very digestible, uh, quantifiable explanation for things. And, you know, you can look at the defensive rating, which I think is 29, offensive rating, which is 15 or 16. Uh, they turn the ball over just way too much. It, it, the, the, the context I put on all the jazz conversations is what's the goal? What's the goal of the front office? If it's to tank and lose, you're a year too late. I'm seeing Victor Wembanyama like everybody else. And if it's to win and be good, you're doing a horrible job. Like, this is a bad team, Tom. Why are they so bad? And do you see an answer on the roster? They have no ability to pressure the opposing offense. They finished last night's game with one steal. One steal the entire game against a team, a Chicago Bulls team, that is very beatable, 
And, yeah, they had some veteran guys on the team, DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, and Nikola Vucevic. But to finish the entire game, 48 minutes, with only a single steal from John Collins, who's no one's idea of, you know, Draymond Green or Dennis Rodman defensively, um, this team just has an uncanny ability to just let the off the opposing offense do what they want. And I found on Dunk, uh, my, my favorite team-wide analytics site, uh, Dunks and Threes, they do an adjusted defensive rating, meaning they adjust your defensive rating for your opponent's strength, and their, the Utah Jazz defensive rating falls all the way down to dead last once you adjust for opponent schedule. They shouldn't be this bad defensively. But I noticed a di- di- disturbing lack of stocks, what I call steals and blocks, right? In the box score, if you look at steals plus blocks, I came up with the term, and this is not me. I didn't originate. I'm just saying stocks, okay? Colin Sexton, do you know how many stocks Colin Sexton has this season in 155 minutes, Spence? I don't, but I'm guess I'm going to guess it's not very high. It's one. He has one <laughs> block this entire season. 155 minutes, zero steals from a backcourt player in 155 minutes. It gets worse. Keontae George, he has four stocks in 166 minutes, and Jordan Clarkson has five stocks in 244 minutes. I looked this up. Spence looked it up. Of the bottom 20 players in stocks per 36 minutes, that's the ability to get steals and blocks per 36 minutes, Utah Jazz have three of the bottom 20 players. That's Colin Sexton, Keontae George, and Jordan Clarkson. That's not like the reason why they're so bad defensively or they struggled so much defensively, but it's really hard to win NBA games when you do not cause turnovers, when you do not get in the open court. And people like to say, okay, good defense leads or good offense comes from good defense. And that's true. Like a lot of the best teams in the NBA, the best offense comes from turnovers, creating turnovers, getting out in the open court, creating easy opportunities when you have numbers. And the Jazz just have a ridiculously difficult time getting those easy buckets. So this season, they have a really bad time limiting, limiting good shots. They're 26th in opponent effective field goal percentage. They're 27th in creating turnovers, and they're 27th in fouling compared to their foul rate. So their, their foul rate is 27th in the NBA. So they're bottom five in opposing effective field goal percentage, bottom four in creating turnovers, bottom four in foul rate. That is not a recipe for a even competitive defensive team and the reason is like look they don't have a great defensive roster they're also incorporating and leaning heavily on a rookie point guard in Keontae George who's 20 years old who did not have a great defensive acumen at Baylor and here he is in the NBA you know trying to uh, be part of an NBA you know functioning defense that's difficult especially when you bring in John Collins who like I said not known as Draymond Green or uh, Dennis Robin defensively, but um, they're integrating two minus defenders right now, and it's a struggle. So if you want to point to a, you know, offensively they're create they're they're causing too many or creating too many turnovers for themselves. I get it. But the reason why this team is two and six right now 
because they gave up 120 plus to four different teams in the early going. That's that's not good. So a lot of good stuff there, and certainly the defensive issues are easy to see. Uh, but let's do move over now, Tom, to the offensive end of the basketball floor, where, you know, I, I know that for a while when Golden State was peak Golden State, you know, they were among the league leaders in turnovers and turnover percentage, which led a lot of people to say. Well, turning the basketball over isn't that big of a deal. Well, yeah, when you have Steph Curry and Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green and a generational yeah. ability to overcome some of those things. So I would hear jazz broadcasters try to diminish uh, the jazz turning the ball over and say, look at the Warriors. Well, you are not the Warriors. You can't afford that high of a turnover percentage. So let's get into what's plaguing them offensively. Is it mainly turnovers? Are there other things that we can point to that indicates why this team has started so slowly out of the gates? Yeah, it's it's predominantly turnovers. They have the 29th highest turnover rate in the NBA. And if you're going to turn the ball over, like you said, you're going to have to either get to the free throw line or you're going to have to have the spot splash bar, the splash brothers on your team. And they have neither. They're not getting to the free throw line. 17% of their field goal attempts, um, 17% of their shot attempts are coming from the free throw line, um, a ratio of free throws to field goal attempts. And that's 23rd in the NBA. That's not good. Um, and, you know, you're, you're looking at a roster that isn't making it easy for themselves. They're fouling a ton. They're not getting to the free throw line. The only thing that you can point to to say, hey, this is um, something they do extremely well, they own the boards. They're number one in offensive rebound rate, and they're uh, number eight in defensive rebound rate. So, yeah, they own the boards, and that's what happens when you have Walker Kessler, Lowry Markinen, and John Collins. But what do you do with those extra possessions? You need to take care of them. They're incorporating Keontae George, which we talked about last week. He's worth you know, dealing with the lumps that you're going to get in the early season, but it comes at a cost. And right now it just is not tenable for – Jordan Clarkson to have three and a half turnovers a game and shoot below 35% from the floor. It's just, that's not winning basketball. Let me just follow up with the rebound rate, certainly on the offensive end, because look, I don't think there's anything we could say that would spin that in a bad way other than are they missing a ton of shots and corralling the, the, the misses, or is this just really truly an elite rebounding team and give jazz fans something positive to latch onto? Yeah, well, actually, Spence, I'm glad you brought that up. Offensive rebound rate controls for the number of misses. So offensive rebound rate is the the number of offensive rebounds you pull down as a percentage of the available offensive rebounds. So they pull down 33% of their misses, their own misses, which is the highest rate in the NBA. That is constant for every NBA team. Um, it doesn't matter how many you miss. It's just the percentage of misses that you pull down. So Yes, it does help to boost your offensive raw rebound numbers by missing a bunch of shots, but this this in particular, this stat, offensive rebound rate, came into uh, fruition because of the fact that, you know, a lot of those raw offensive rebound totals were, you know, influenced and skewed by a, a bad shooting team. But when you look at the offensive rebound rate, the percentage of available rebounds, they are number one in the league. So, that's why we do those things. That's why we make those little key tweaks uh, when it comes to analytics. But it's still, like, you're right. They miss a ton of shots. Um, and, yeah, they get some of those offensive rebound opportunities, but they're just not taking care of the ball. 
And look, there was some regression expected in some categories last season. Um, they were a 37-win team that you know kind of fell off at the end. But I expected them to be better than what they've shown uh, defensively. I think they got to tidy up some things. Uh, but they are they are struggling out of the gate, no doubt. And one thing that will help them is they've got four games against the Blazers in the next month. And I, as the analytics insider for the Blazers, um, I can tell you. You know, without Anthony Simons, this is the time to play the day, the Blazers because they don't have Robert Williams the third for the rest of the season, and they've got four games coming up against the the Blazers in the next month or so, and that will help them um, try to figure some things out because because uh, the Blazers right now are battered. All right, so let me then let me just straight ask you based off of that response, which I always appreciate uh, when it comes to understanding exactly what these numbers are talking about. I've got the true shooting numbers in front of me. They're 21st, the Jazz are. I've got effective field goal percentage in front of me. They're also 21st. Uh, is, is there anything as far as their shot making or lack thereof that you can point out to that's positive, whether it's threes or whatever it is? Is there anything this team does outside of rebounding that's that's a good thing for Jazz fans to hone in on? Well, they're taking, I think, high-quality shots. Um, they're they're actually taking threes at a pretty high rate, which is what you want to see to space the floor and make things easier for the penetration. Like you can't just take any shot down the floor. Um, you have to take good shots, like a good uh, Spencer check is in the back in the day. There you uh, go. Spence, you, you had a great shot back in the day. Maybe, maybe not quite as good as Pete Vance. I, you know what? I didn't say it. I didn't say that you yeah, weren't easy as good there. As Pete Van I did easy not there. say that. Okay. Thank um, you. So <laughs> I would, so uh, moving on, I just basically think when you look at the, the Jazz uh, shot selection, there is you know some sense that they're they're able to you know take high quality shots. They have the lowest percentage of long twos in the NBA, and those are the lowest percentage shots in the game. Um, so it's not a sense of they're not getting good looks or they're they're ignoring bad shots or ignoring the math. It's just the shots aren't falling and. I got to believe um, now you might disagree with me, uh, but I got to believe that Jordan Clarkson is not going to shoot 27% from downtown going forward. This is one of the best, you know, off the bounce shooters in the league. And I don't suspect that he's going to be shooting this poorly for the entire season. Now he is 31 years old. There's going to be some, some regression at some point in his career, but I got to believe that this is a better three point shooting than what they've shown. So, Tom, before we move over, before we move off the Jazz, if if the Jazz called us up today and they said, Spence and Tom, come up with a slogan that we can sell to our fans for the rest of the year as far as how we play, we could say something like, we don't guard, uh, we turn the ball over at an alarming rate, we can kind of shoot, but, man, do we rebound, come out and watch Jazz hoops? Is that about where we're at? <laughs> you got Lowry marketing, man. Yeah. And that's that's a selling point. I think uh, I think just about every team would love to have a guy like that that you can just count on for basically 50, 40, 90 shooting, 50% from the floor, 40% from downtown, 90% at the line. He's just money. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard to find guys like that. So um, that is the face of the franchise, and that's what you have to be excited about as a Jazz fan. Everything else, um, they're going to take their lumps here. Uh, it's just they got to defend better. Um, and Walker Kessler, after a slow start, he's looking a little bit better. But that's a lot of the same cases for uh, a lot of FIBA guys at World Cup spets. I noticed um, he's not the only one with a slow start coming off the basically no off season. 
Um, that's tough for some guys coming on, you know, in his second year in the NBA and having no off season of rest or recovering or letting his body heal and working on his game. Um, so he had a nice little kind of like breakout game here last night with 15 points and four blocks, 15 and 15. But um, once he gets into, you know, last year's form, I think this will be a much better defense. All right, moving along. So I want to acknowledge this is not very fair. And I talked about it this week after watching what Victor Wembanyama has done. And it's not all going to be perfect, right? I mean, it's going to be a process. He's 19 after all. Um, But last year, Tom, after the Jazz decided to move on from Gobert and Mitchell and Quinn decided he wasn't interested in working for this organization for whatever reason, my whole thing was, all right, uh, you know who Victor Wembanyama is because we had Gobert here. We've all been watching this kid. We know that he's probably going to be generational. It seemed like every basketball expert uh, felt that way. So I said last year maybe 30 times and asked you too, like I felt like San Antonio was doing this the right way. Now the reason why it's unfair is you can – best laid plans that's all you want and then the luck doesn't go your way but i don't know man even if that's the case you still get two three or four instead of nine and watching taylor Hendricks, uh who's with the g league and look he got hurt didn't have a summer league or a training camp so he's behind the eight ball he's only 19 but so is victor wembenyama and watching wembenyama juxtaposed with watching Hendricks on the bench basically in street clothes just makes me wonder whether or not the Jazz misstepped last year by winning 37 games. So your thoughts on that, and then what have you seen specifically from Wembanyama at the age of 19 to indicate whatever the trend is that, you know, if he evolves what he could be when he's fully formed? Spence, you're talking to a guy who picked him to win MVP this year. Like I wrote on TomTheFinder.com, I legitimately wrote that Victor Wembanyama is going to win MVP this year. And it was a little bit of a hot take. But what I was saying was uh, there are a bunch of analysts who were picking him to win Defensive Player of the Year. And I was just like, if you're going to pick this dude to win Defensive Player of the Year, say it with your chest and just go for the jugular and say MVP. And the reason why I say that is, What's better than free money? How you choose to spend it. Open a CQ checking account and get $250 to spend freely. And that's not all this credit union offers. Do your banking, build credit, and invest in your future. Visit secumd.org today. Anybody who has an offensive game and wins Defensive Player of the Year is going to win them both. Giannis Antetokounmpo, Michael Jordan, Hakeem Olajuwon won both Defensive Player of the Year and MVP in the same year. Because if you score, if you average 20 points a game and you're the best defensive player in the year of the year, you're the best. You're the best in the game. And, and I noticed that, like, in the, in the preseason, the guy was so much better than what we saw at Summer League and so much better than we saw at the G League showcase in Vegas against Scoot Henderson that, like, the, the acceleration of skills that he's accumulating, what's this guy going to be in four months? Like, I'm, I'm convinced that this guy is not just going to be the best player in, like, three years in the NBA. I think he's going to be the best player in the NBA in the next calendar year. And with all the hype that he's had, um, I think that there's going to be a huge narrative or at least a lot of the buzz around him. You can see it already that there's just going to be so much um, hoopla around Victor Wembenyama. And, look, 
he's not there yet. He's not the best player in the league yet. But you can see that he's so much better than what we thought. And the and the San Antonio Spurs are better than we expected. I mean, they were a winning team just a couple nights ago, and they got blown out by the Indiana Pacers, which is not what you want to see. But this is why last year when I was on this show, I was like, do whatever you can to have the best chance at this guy. And that's easy to say from here in Charlotte. That's easy to say hindsight 2020. You could have been the Detroit Pistons where they were the worst team. And then they fell to what? Sixth in the, in the, in the draft last year. Like there is an opportunity uh, to play, you know, Monday morning quarterback and say they should have done this and they should have done that, but they could have equally uh, been the Detroit Pistons and had a great chance at getting Victor Wembanyama and ended up with a solid uh, prospect, but not a great one. Um, not Victor Wembanyama. So I think because uh, I, I, is it mutually exclusive that they get Larry Markinen and have him as good as he is or a chance at a top chance at Victor Wembanyama? Because that's really hard for me to say. Like that's really far hard for me to be like, they shouldn't have had a maximizing Lowry market and starting the all-star game in Utah. How cool is that? Um, at the, at the chance at the 20% chance at getting Victor Wembanyama or 14% chance at get, getting Victor Wembanyama. That's tough. But now that I'm looking at him, man, he is everything and way more than I expected. I think he has a chance to be the greatest of all time when you're seven, seven, five, and you move like this, and you dominate against Kevin Durant in your fifth NBA game. Uh, like we've never seen anything like this. And I'm okay with saying that he has a good chance at being the greatest of all time, considering how good he is right out of the gate and how the upside of a seven, five guy with an eight foot wingspan. I mean, what do we do? I mean, how, I can't look at this guy and say with reasonable doubt that like he can't be the greatest. He's so good right out of the gate. It's incredible. And I feel like he's only like tapped like 40% of what he could be. Yeah, I, th- I think with the way you finished that uh, explanation is where I'm at with it as far as, no, it's not hard. Like, and, and Lowry's a really good player, right? Uh, he's going to be 27 uh, here in uh, a few months. He's about 26 and a half right now. And maybe he can get incrementally better, and he's really good, and he's been really fun. And he says all the things that Jazz fans love to hear based off the PTSD of Hayward and Mitchell and go, like, he wants to be. All those things are important. But when the other guy, Tom, has a chance to be, as you just outlined, the greatest of all time, like, no San Antonio Spurs fans right now are like, hey, get DeJounte Murray back, please. Like, it's, it's not hard. Like, and again, we're just dudes talking on the radio. Uh, Whatever the goal of the front office is, only they know. But to me, based off of what we've seen from both players, I would personally allow Lowry Marketing to be in Cleveland or Chicago if it gave me a chance, even if it's only a 12% chance, to draft a player who finally could be the guy here since John and Carl that you can legitimately build a contender around. Darren and Booze, back in the day, really good, not a contender. Mitchell Gobert, really good teams, not a contender. Tom, it's been since 1997. It's 27 years since we've had a guy here that is in the category of John and Carl, and Wembenyama's the guy. So in answer to your question, due respect to my guy, it's not hard if you had a chance to get him, and the Jazz didn't do what they could to put themselves in the position to do it. 
Yeah, and and like I said, and I should correct myself, uh, the Pistons fell to fifth and got Asar Thompson. So right. they had, you know, it, it's not it's not as easy as just tank and you'll get them, and it's certainly harder than it was, you know, ten years ago, fifteen years ago, um, to do that because they they flattened the lottery odds at the top. So you, the best you have is a fourteen percent chance. But I'm with you, man. Like you have, and it's so imperative for teams like Utah teams like Charlotte, teams like San Antonio, teams like Detroit, teams like Orlando, Indiana, to, do, to get a swing at the top of the draft because of the fact that they can't recruit a Victor Wimbanyama when he's in his prime, like the Lakers or the Knicks or the, uh, the Miami Heat can. So I don't know. It's easier said than done, and tanking is, is you know, a moral hazard for a lot of organizations and coaches. Um, but this is the incentive structure, and unfortunately, like you sometimes have to take advantage of that. Unfortunately, and Victor Wembanyama is the real deal, and I stand by my preseason pick that he's going to win MVP, only because I want people to realize how effing good this guy is. I mean, he is insane. He is a one-person top-five defense out the gate. That's never like that's never happened in the NBA history, and we're seeing it right now in front of us. All right, Tom. Before I set you loose, my weekly obligatory Nikola Nikola Jokic question. Um, you know, I can remember for a time there was a conversation about who's the greatest of you know the generation, who's the best in the league right now, and it felt like like Durant may be closing the gap on LeBron, and then LeBron took yet another leap, and there was like a Grand Canyon gap between the two of them is there a chance because every time i watch the dude i'm like it's just ridiculous is there a chance we're approaching uh, a spot in the league right now where the best player is nikola Jokic and it isn't even close between whoever number two is is there a chance that we're approaching that uh we're getting pretty close I mean, when you look at the fact that the guy is even better than he was last year, uh, he's shooting 70% on twos. Spence, like, what? Like, what? This isn't a guy who just does layups and dunks all game. Right. He takes jumpers, like, half the time. He's shooting 70% on twos. I mean, what, he, oh, and he's the best passer in the game. Oh, and he's seven feet tall. Oh, and he's a great rebounder and oh he's runs the floor just about better than any big you know i was talking to a an assistant coach the other day and he's like no one realizes how good he is in terms of conditioning he is like the best conditioned big man in the nba he's not the most athletic big man in the nba but the guy outworks every big man down the floor he just doesn't stop he keeps going and if you watch with a keen eye on that it really does jump out to you how he just he looks like he's laboring, he looks like he's gasping for air, but he never stops. He runs and outruns a lot of the bigs down the floor just by pure effort. And that's so key cuz every everyone follows that guy. Now they're going to have a little bit of struggle here because Jamal Murray's got a uh, a hurt hamstring and he looks like he's going to be out for a while. So it might be the case that they drop a couple games here trying to deal with that. And I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I know the DNP rest policy has, has been effective so far uh, at the top of the, you know, the, the food chain, so to speak, that the best players are, are playing a lot of games. 
Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if the, if the Denver Nuggets try to not overload him too much in the early going because this team is trying to win a championship back-to-back, and they can't burn out Nikola Jokic this early in the season. Um, and with Jamal Murray out, he's going to take a lot more shouldering the load. Uh, but they, they didn't have Jamal Murray for all 82 last year, so we'll see. But Nikola Jokic is just he's, – he's must-see TV. Tom, you're the man. Appreciate the time, buddy. Have a great week, and uh, we'll get you back on again next week, all right? You got a sense. All right. The great Tom Habershaw. Like I say every week, if you want to be smarter about basketball, listen to our guy. All right. We welcome in Ryan from the Dish Bros, 801-424-DISH. You guys know the number. Now, there's a little urgency today that there hasn't been as we've been visiting with you all year. Uh, the three-year the three year price lock guarantee. It is vital. If you're a cable subscriber right now, namely DirecTV, you know that every few months your bill goes up and you're like, wait, what? You didn't give me anything extra. It just goes up. It just goes up. So your, three, your ability to give our listeners the three-year price lock guarantee if they switch over to DISH expires Monday. Let's hear about it. It does. And uh, technically, actually, DISH expired it all last week. So we're lucky. We still have it. Um, if you actually call the owner number or go to their websites, they don't have it. But we'll still honor that, get you that promotion, and uh, get you the best equipment. We've got uh, that. Now, this promotion, what's big about it is that, you know, they don't. They, they said price lock, but they kind of went away from it because people think, oh, they're locked into a contract for three years. It's not a three-year contract. You get the price. You just get the price for three years. Yeah. And so you can you can actually uh, only keep the service for less time. But if the the idea is, you know, most of us blink our eyes and the year passes, and but um, you don't want to blink your eyes and your bill goes up thirty bucks a month. Right. So that's what we're offering right now. And call us up, take advantage of this deal. We've got all the games. We've got this. Uh, um, uh, the extra $300 cash back offer if you switch from direct TV to dish. That's a huge one. And then today and today only because you're here, a little extra $100 cash back for everybody else. If you're cable or um, you're on the streaming apps, you're not getting the jazz games, we can solve all that and put everything in one place. I also need to add something. One of the things I like about when I can work with a client when I have personal experience and can offer a testimonial I don't know if it was COVID, but something led to bureaucracy of customer service <laughs> where you can't get people on the phone. Right. Like, I've got a situation. I'm not going to say the company right now. I've got a situation right now where I've got to pay a bill every month online, and their website literally doesn't work. Their app crashed, and you can't talk to anybody. Mm. So I get an email like, you got to pay. I'm like, yeah, I know, but I can't get anyone on the phone. <laughs> now, when I'm not calling you to solve my NFL Sunday ticket issues, I can actually get people from Dish on the phone. Like, I can tell you... Based off my experience with DirecTV, the customer service with Dish, and it's a real thing because sometimes you need somebody on the phone. Yep. You get people on the phone that can actually help you. They do a great job that way. You know, and outside of just your billing issues, we handle everything else. So if it's install or any problem with your equipment, um, we're here. We're local. We're next day install, which means um, if there is a need for a service call, that's typically same day or next day also. And yep. uh, we'll get out, get you taken care of. And uh this best price guarantee that we have right now is a really huge deal with this extra promotion and the cash back. You cannot go wrong. A hundred percent. This yep. is it. And you also, we should underscore, well, why dish? Why are we trying to get people to switch to dish? Well, it's not like we have skin in the game. We're trying to do what's best for the consumer, college football, yep. NFL, 
Jazz hoops. And look, you're going to need the Pac-12 for at least a couple of more months if right. you want to watch Utah football. And when it goes away, it's no skin off your back, but Dish has it. So for the first time since we've been working together, you do have one solution for everything that we want as Utah sports fans. We do. Call us up. Get the best price. Get this three-year promotion. If it goes away and you miss it, you're going to be sad. And um, on top of that, today and today only, $100 cash back for everybody. Or if you're a DirecTV customer switching to Dish, it's 300 Call us now. Save money. Ryan, you're the man. Thank you. 801-424-DISH. If any of that was a little bit confusing or too much info, the best thing to do is just call, and then they can answer your questions at 801-424-DISH. That's 801-424-DISH. All right, coming up on the other side, we are going to uh, give you our Big 12 and our Pac-12 power rankings. We usually do that on Mondays, but if you are a fan of the show, first of all, thank you. Hello, how are you? Uh, Second of all, we were off very early yesterday for Utah women's and men's basketball. So we'll do that coming up next, and there's more college football on the way with Stevenson, Sylvester, and Dave Fox, and we'll go from there. It's a drive on a Tuesday, and it's good to have you with us right here on ESPN 700. And the football weekend is behind us. Who stepped up and who didn't answer the bell? It's time to see who climbed that ladder and who stumbled down the hill as Spence gives you his weekly power rankings for the Pac-12, Big 12, all of college football, and the NFL. Every Monday on The Drive, it's Monday Power Rankings, brought to you by Jersey Mike's, exclusively on ESPN 700. Check out jerseymikes.com for all their locations across the Wasatch Front. Uh, number 13, Mike's Way, a little mayo, a little mustard, no big deal. It's my favorite. So check him out. Our good friends at Jersey Mike's bringing you the Pac-12 and the Big 12 power rankings. We got aggressive with our voice work. We're not doing college football overall. We are not doing the NFL. We might do that later on. We figured we'd just do the two conferences involving Utah and BYU. Live at the Dish Pros today. 801-424-DISH or stop by at 8034 South State Street. Stevenson, Sylvester, and Dave Fox are going to stop by in the 4 o'clock hour. Tom Haberstow on the 5 for a little basketball. But why don't we send it back to our Broadway media studios. We'll start with the Big 12 where Porter Larson, the host of our Utah pregame coverage and certainly a guy that knows a thing or two about college football, will take it away. Porter, for this week, your Big 12 power rankings sound like what? Yeah, Spence, and, and thankfully the Big 12 and the Pac-12 are, are kind of uh, separating themselves as far as the, the top half and bottom half. So with the, the top half of the Big 12, the, the teams that are making the cut, uh, Kansas State, Oklahoma, Kansas, Oklahoma State, and Texas, West Virginia, and uh, Iowa State just on the outside looking in. Of course, those are all the teams in the Big 12 that have winning records. Now, the top five, at number five comes Kansas State. They did lose to Texas in overtime over the weekend, but it was a close one. Um, Kansas State continues to just be consistently competitive within the conference, therefore sticking in my number five spot. Now, dropping once again in the power rankings this week, it's Oklahoma. The Sooners come in at number four. Yes, they're seven and two. Yes, they still have a chance at a Big 12 title, but they just haven't been playing all that well as of late, and now they have just lost the last bedlam to Oklahoma State, who is uh, 
still to come in these power rankings. But at number three, it's Kansas. Uh, of course, a, a win over a pretty tough Iowa State squad. They move up one spot from last week on my power rankings. Kansas still holding strong at 7-2. and two. They are my number three team in the Big 12. And right now, as of today, you got to give Oklahoma State some credit. They're 7-2. and two. They're 5-1 and one in Big 12 play, and they've won five straight games, including last weekend over the Sooners. They're number two in my Big 12 power rankings. And, of course, the only one-loss team in the Big 12, the only Big 12 team that I think still has a outside chance at a college football playoff, it is the Texas Longhorns. But they just barely squeaked by Kansas State uh, last week. It's, uh, it's, it's a conference that's really competitive, and we're going to see some shifts in, uh, in the power rankings uh, next week. Yeah, it's been really hard to uh, analyze whether or not there are elite good teams in the Big 12 or just a glut of teams that are fine. Uh, BYU still searching for that sixth win, trying to get bowl eligible against a really good Iowa State team coming up. I almost put Iowa State in my top five this week, but I couldn't really justify it, even though I think they're really good. Uh, We have a similar top five, just one difference. I've got uh, Kansas at five. Uh, Even though they're right in the mix and they can win the entire thing, they're... 4-2 4-2 and two in conference, 7-2 and two overall. Uh, I've just been really impressed with K-State. Like, every time I have a chance to watch Kansas State play football, I'm like, man, that's a that's a tough team. Like, I'm kind of uh, interested to see how Utah stacks up against K-State because they really kind of play a similar brand of football. So I have Kansas at 5, even though they did beat Iowa State and are just behind the top two teams in the conference. I'm going to be a little bullish on Oklahoma, like you have them at four. I see a lot of people dropping them all the way out. And then I've got K-State at three. And then the top two, got to go to Bedlam, man. Um, there are a lot of college football rivalries that I have been to, a lot that I would like to go to, but I think I'm going to put that one on the list. OK State might have the best running back in the entire country. BYU fans are going to meet him coming up. So I have them at two. And then, yeah, Texas at one. I don't think that's a hot take. Even though K-State gave them all they wanted, they ultimately survived, and they do have that one loss only coming to Oklahoma. They have one of the top three or four wins in the country in Tuscaloosa at Alabama. So I've got Texas 1, OK State 2, K-State 3, Oklahoma 4, and Kansas at 5. All right, Porter, let's move over to the pack now. What does your Pac-12 power rankings this week sound like? Yeah, in, in kind of the same story with the Pac-12, once you get past, you know, five, six, seven teams, you're you're now in less than 500 territory, right? That kind of eliminates Colorado, Washington State, Cal, Stanford, Arizona State. Those teams are going to finish uh, in all likelihood with losing records this season. They're out. They're out of my power rankings. You can't be a, a power ranking um, appearance when you're when you're below 500. So that leaves it down to, of course, the two LA schools, and they find themselves just outside of my top five. Uh, USC and UCLA, who, of course, are huge parts of the reason the Pac-12 is crumbling. Well, they're not in my top five as we head into the final month of Pac-12 football. At number five, I've got Arizona. And it was kind of tough leaving them this low just because of how well they've been playing as of late. Uh, but they're still 6-3. and three. They're only 3-3 three and three in Pac-12 play. So you got to see a few more weeks of strong play from Arizona uh, the the twenty seven ten win over UCLA was huge. Of course, they have Colorado this weekend, a, a fun one down there. Uh, but Arizona is at number five. At number four on my list, it's the Utah Utes. Now, 
still technically alive in the Pac-12 race. A huge win over the Arizona State uh, Sun Devils last weekend. The Utes are 7-2, and 4-2 and two in Pac-12 play. They come in at number four. And the only reason that Oregon State finds themselves ahead of Oregon is or ahead of Utah is because of that head-to-head win earlier on in the season. But Oregon State just barely squeaked by Colorado. So I'm looking at them very closely as we head into this coming weekend. If they don't if they don't beat Stanford very convincingly, I'm gonna have Utah jump Oregon State in next week's Pac twelve power rankings based on uh, of course, we'll see what, what happens with the uh, the Washington game. At number three in the Pac-12 power rankings, again, as I mentioned, it's Oregon State. Tough to keep them out of that with the head-to-head win. And then the top two, Spence, is, is where it's difficult. Washington still undefeated. They've got the head-to-head win over Oregon. Oregon's 8-1. and one. They come off that big win over Cal, 63-19, to 19, of course, on the heels of their 35-6 to 6 win over the Utes. But... Because it's so late in the season, Spence, I'm going to reward Washington for having that zero on their record book. I think that Oregon's the best team in the conference. I really do. And I think that Oregon probably has the uh, the inside shot to a Las Vegas Pac-12 title. But for this week, because we're nine weeks in and they're still uh, zero on that loss column for Washington, I'm going to keep them at number one with Oregon a very, very close number two, and you call it 1B if you wish. Okay, a little different for me today. I like the criteria, but we'll go from five to one. I have Oregon State at five right now. I like your point about the head-to-head, which certainly is something that should matter and does matter. I do believe it's an exercise in futility when it comes to analyzing college football when you say, well, you did this three weeks ago against that team, so you're going to do it this week against this team. Teams change. They evolve. Sometimes they go the wrong direction. But Oregon State, to me, still deserves to be in. Like you, no California um, no California presence on my top five. Due respect to UCLA, who I think is a good team. They're coming off a loss, and USC is just a dumpster fire now. I still think it's so mean to leave the folks in charge of the defense after Alex Grinch was let go to say, hey, it's Oregon this week. Good luck with that. But I have Oregon State at five. Arizona, you've got to give them credit, man. We've been talking about it kind of like on – the outside, like an ancillary conversation. It's time to talk about them as a really good football team and athletic department, quite frankly, that will be a good partner for Utah in the new landscape of the Big 12. But I have Arizona 4. I have Utah at 3. After a historic drubbing over an Arizona State team that nobody believes is a contending team but has been much better as of late, Utah found their footing. Feel bad for ASU when they ran into a grumpy football team like the U's, but I have Utah at 3. I've got Washington at two. Uh, I understand your point, again, about head-to-head. This, for me, is who I think the best teams are in the conference today, and I believe Oregon is the best team in the conference and maybe one of the top four teams in, in the nation. Now, the CFP rankings will be... I wait. Do I have to keep on talking till I can go on? Why do you see it your way? Run the risk of knowing that I... All right, some breaking news via The Athletic. Uh, This just in, Michigan has sent documents to the Big Ten and the NCAA showing that Purdue, Ohio State, and Rutgers uh, were sharing the Wolverine signs among staff members. Uh, That's Nicole Auerbach, who we've had on the show before, Bruce Feldman as well. So this situation just gets stranger. We'll talk some more college football now with our guy, former Ute, Pittsburgh Steeler. You know him, you love him. Stevenson Sylvester, back on the drive on a Tuesday. Sly, what's going on, man? 
What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just curious. Let's uh, talk about this for a second. Is this sign-stealing thing anything that reverberates in your world, or is it much ado about nothing? What do you make of the chaos that we find in Ann Arbor right now, Sly? Well, I mean, that breaking news that you just said is, okay, the barn's burning, everybody's staying inside. <laughs> Nobody gets out. Everybody goes down with the ship um, is, is how Michigan's eyes go on that. They're like, I'm not the only one that's going down for this. And I'm like, that's just crazy. Um, but uh, to answer your question, sign stealing, I I don't know. Um, one, I, I think the NCAA should just do what the NFL does. You know, after Spygate, I don't know how NCAA didn't implement that as well. Um, with New England back in the day, um, they used to steal the Steelers signals all the time. So believe me, while I was in the in the Pittsburgh building, I heard all about it. <laughs> um, and um, I, I don't know how the NCAA didn't implement that or recommend that as far as what the teams can do and should do. Um, but it, it does have an advantage, and then it doesn't. I mean, you've seen the 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 data of of when Michigan was able to get those and, and how their output was um, and and what their output was for it. So it does benefit. Um, at the same time, it, it goes on execution. I mean, I, there's so many teams that I know that, like, I know what's coming and it doesn't matter, you know? So I don't know if I could have the perfect play call to go against something and it's going to affect the game as much as that. So I think that a level of execution of your plays, even if your defense knows what's coming on, um, it matters. So um, I, I don't know what's the true impact of this, but I just know that, you know, it's something that's illegal and it's, they're coming down for you on it. Let me ask you one more thing here, Sly. And if you don't really have any insight here, we can quickly move on. But a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about in-helmet communication, in the NFL, I had a local high school coach send me a direct message on social media, and he said, we use in-helmet communication. Now, not every high school team does because it's a matter of dollars and cents, but if the pros do it and some high school teams do it, why don't we have in-helmet communication in college football? Well, honestly, <laughs> I think it's because people just didn't think of it. If it's not illegal or, or, or something that they enforced and I don't see the problem with it. The thing with the NFL that they do it is they cut off the comms if there's like 13 seconds left on the play clock, you know, so they're not allowing uh, coordinators to talk to players within the last 10 seconds of the play clock. So that, that varies. And if it's the wild West and everybody's doing it, or some people are doing it, there's no regulation or there's no, like, it's all weird. And then people are going to create excuses with all of that and, and, and so on and so forth. Um, I, I don't understand why people don't. I, I think that it's something that should be implemented. Of course, you put your rules and regulation of when the comms should be shut off because I like the way the NFL does it. Because if you got a coordinator who's in somebody's head, um, every second of the down is going to be crazy. But the, the caveat with that is you're going to get offensive coordinators who are going to allow the quarterback to change the play at the very last second when the defense can't counter. And people are going to be like, oh, that's cheating. Um, but uh, here nor there, it's it, you can gamify anything. If you're not finding ways to uh, get a leg up on your opponent, I think you're you're, you're behind in the situation. But um, I, it doesn't surprise me that there's some, I bet, the Bishop Gorman High School in Las Vegas, 
you know, I bet they got it. I, I, I wouldn't, I don't know which coach told you that, but that doesn't surprise me at all. Excuse me. All right, moving away from this, let's talk a little Utes now, Sly, and I wonder what stood out most to you. I don't want to call it a get-right game, right, because Arizona State had been playing pretty well. It, it was just good to see Utah respond the way that Utah usually does under Coach Witt, and then also you kind of felt bad for Arizona State that they ran into a pretty grumpy team coming off the Oregon game. What stood <laughs> out most, Utah 55, ASU 3, Sly, what are your, what are your overall takeaways? Uh, besides our excellent defense that I cannot go away from under um, under 85 yards of, uh, under 85 total yards they allowed in that game, uh, our defense was stellar, absolutely stellar. Often, our uh, from the secondary to the linebackers to the D line, everybody played great. Uh, Lavani Demuni had a great game, I think, as well from the linebacker position. Karine Reed solid as 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 usual. Uh, but my biggest takeaway was Andy Ludwig. You know, um, I loved his offensive game plan he put in, you know, uh, because everybody that played in that game on Saturday has been on this roster the entire season, which means that we had the capability of putting up 40-plus points in a football game multiple times, and this was the first time we've done it. So my biggest thing is we put up 55 points, all offensive points um, that I absolutely love. It was It was great production from this offense. A great strategy starting the football game. You know, if you go back to 2021 when Cam Rising first took over, um, look how we started each of those football games. We started on the attack, right? We wanted to attack him and get up 7-0 in all those football games. Every time we won the toss, we received the ball, went down the football field, and, and, and scored. And that was a huge advantage for us. And so I think that was the same thing with this football game here. We started with the ball. We went down, we scored, we played aggressive, we got up 14-0, and we looked dominant. And that instilled a lot of confidence within the team that radiated for the rest of the game. So I love the aggressiveness, and, and the biggest thing that stood out for me was Andy Ludwig's strategy in, in coming into this football game. All right, so um, we'll get to Washington in a moment because obviously that's going to be a, a really fun game. But let's... Let's dig into the defensive side of the football a little bit more, Sly. And you referenced Lavani, who had another another really, really good game. And, you know, of course, the defense is dealing with injuries, too. We tend to talk a lot about what the offense is dealing with. But, you know, I'm not going to draw the parallel. I'm not going – even though I'm saying this out loud, which indicates that I kind of am, I'm really not doing this. Like, as you know, I'm a Jets fan, and the news coming out of New York today with how disappointed this – and disappointed is putting it lightly, but how – frustrated and angry the defensive players are that the offense just can't be part of the solution uh i i don't think there's any of that with utah they appear to be very very connected and supportive of, of each other but what can you say about the way the defense has stayed steadfast and consistent uh, despite the inconsistencies on the other side of the ball and what it says about the staff and the team that the that they do feel really connected even though one's been much better and much more consistent I mean, that that to me is all Coach Whittingham and Morgan Scali, right? Um, they instill in these guys over and over. Even when I played, um, it doesn't matter what they do on the offensive side of the ball. Do your job. That's something that you've heard multiple times uh, coming out of this University of Utah program is do your job. It doesn't matter what's going on elsewhere. Because if the other team doesn't score, you know, which Arizona State doesn't score, you know, you win the football game. You know, and so um, that's the mentality of the defensive guys from back when I played to now. I see that 
it doesn't matter what they do on the offensive side of the ball. Whether we score points or not, I got to take it upon myself to make sure that the other team doesn't score. And so for the New York Jets, I mean, it's just, it, it's hard. It's frustrating. Um, you wish that there was complimentary football, but at the end of the day, if I don't allow my opponent to score, you know, we either tie the football game or we win, you know? And so um, by doing my job, I, I get that done. And that's it's just a soul culture aspect, right? I, I think Robert Sala is a very hard nosed guy and um, he doesn't, cut punches from anybody so if it's your fault he'll let everybody know that it's your fault um that that to me is what personality he has and um you know mike tom was the same way you know if ben roethlisberger like threw an interception in our team meeting monday he'd be like yo ben you screwed up the deal what's up uh or or defensively he'd be putting people on blast because i think that if you do that you can address it and that person can take it personally and fix it Right. You don't fix anything if you throw everything under the rug. And I think the University of Utah has just done a great job of making sure that, hey, look, you take care of your your your, your uh, 11 square feet or whatever. I think these players are all saying, like, I take care of my 11 square feet what's around me and everything should work out the way it should. Right. And uh, I just think that's a big culture aspect. And um, and it, it, it proves value in a lot of different successful teams that I've been on. And if I was a coach, I'd do the same thing. Okay, Sly, it's a big one coming up, and it's going to be a tough ask. I mean, Washington is really good. They're a 9.5-point favorite. You know, it, it's interesting. Um, when it comes to what Washington uh, has done as of late, their their defense over the past few weeks has kind of come back down to earth. Now, they're not known as a great defensive football team, but one of the reasons why I like them better than SC, for instance, is they at least had a defense last year. It was about middle of the pack. Now, where we're at with them is they're 121st in passing defense and about 100 overall in total defense. Now, they're pretty good against the rush. Now, we know Utah wants to run the football, but if the data and the number do, numbers do tell a story, it's that Bryson's going to have to make plays. Now, uh, we saw him make plays last week. It was a career-high four-touchdown uh, game for Bryson Barnes. Uh, but the Arizona State is, is not Washington. But that is at least as of now, their Achilles heel, their pass defense. What, what do you think we'll see from Bryson coming up Saturday up there in Seattle? I think Bryson Barnes is filling himself, and that's exactly what you want to do. Uh, I think the quarterback position is one of the hardest positions on the football field because of the mental aspect of it. You know, you take on so much responsibility for the success and for the failures, especially in the failures, and there's just so many ways to fail. In, in, in sports in general, but um, especially on the football field. And I think the quarterback takes a lot of that heat and pressure. That's why it's, it's – I, I don't know if I would see it as a sought-after position, but I think whoever plays that role has to have a different mentality. And I think Bryson Barnes is, is now getting into his bag and, and where his confidence and, and why he was uh, able to walk on and, and, and be a player at the University of Utah and, and – He's understanding the task. He's understanding his role a little better and what he has to do. And that takes experience, right? You know, as a backup quarterback, you don't get a lot of experience. You get the, you, you, you get spotty time here and there. You get the surprise, the last two drives of the first Rose Bowl or the, the, the last quarter and a half of the second Rose Bowl or, or Washington State. I'll, I'll, I'll get time right before the game where I know that I'm coming in. As a backup quarterback, you don't get time to get experience to know exactly what works for you with 
with the, the chemistry of, of players that's out there. And so now that he's been able to do that ever since the UCLA-Cal game, um, uh, I think that it's just proven dividends for us and, and absolutely love uh, what he's been able to bring to the table. He's bring a lot of heart. He's absolutely loving it. The way we ended that USC game was beautiful. Um, you know, the Oregon game, the Oregon game, we can pick and poison. Oregon's just an amazing team where you cannot make a mistake against, right? And I feel like we just made a mistake and the lead just got um, unattainable. We we just got, it got too far away from us and we couldn't come back and we started to force things and then um, play calling wasn't good. And so um, that just got out of hand. But um, I, I think that this Washington game is going to be very similar. Uh, we're going to have to play a seemingly perfect game. And once we do that, I think we'll be right where we want to be. And um, I think Bryson Barnes understands that because I've been through uh, the points where I've scored 55 points and, and been the hero at the end of the USC game. And I've also been through the downfalls of, of not playing perfect against a really talented Oregon team. So he's gaining all of that experience, and I just think that – Come Saturday, we're going to see the best of Bryson Barnes. He just understands the deal, understands what he needs to do, run this offense, and uh, we're going to be in a great position to win that football game. All right, Sly, you're the expert. So outside of, you know what, again, the data says about where Washington isn't great, and that is their pass defense, what are some other things you're going to be looking for from Utah that they need to do in order to go up on the road and really – it would be the biggest upset that Utah football has pulled off. They're a nine-point, not ever, but this year they're a nine-point, five-point favorite. So it is a tough task. Outside of exploiting what Washington does not do well on defense, which is protect the uh, the, the throw game, as Kyle would say, well, what are the, the other keys for Utah to go get that win? Um, I, For me, I think, uh, of course, complementary football. I think I say that every week, right? You know, from special teams to defense to offense, everybody has to complement themselves. And, and and own their 11 square feet, right? Own their ways around them, and, and everything will be, be taken care of. I think uh, the biggest component to Saturday is taking care of the football, right? I think we're, like, number one or at least top four in the nation with time of possession, right? So if we can control the cock, keep Michael Penix on ice, um, you know, do great in this rushing game, uh, you can only take statistics so far, right? You, we said where they're at as far as the rushing team. They're not terrible, um, but they're also not great either. Um, you know, a lot of those statistics can be skewed because of the type of offense that you have. If you have an offense that's putting up monster numbers, you're not going to have great defensive numbers because teams are going to have to throw 50 times a game and those odds go against you. But um, I think we just got to uh, do what we need to do. Uh, question or you know, point being, number one, is take care of the football. We can't have turnovers in this football game. We cannot give Washington an extra possession. It's just like that USC-Washington game on Saturday. You know, Washington, it was going back and forth, right? You know, uh, whenever USC scored, Washington scored. Whenever USC punted, Washington punted. It was very easy, but they, they tricked it off when they were able to give uh, Washington another possession. When Caleb Williams fumbled and gave Washington that extra possession, that was a huge change in that football game. You know, I think, you know, USC ended up getting a, a turnover in the second half. They turned that into points and evened it out. But we cannot do that in this game. We have to be extremely perfect in this game as far as taking care of the football, uh, running the football, uh, weighing that defense down, and come that fourth quarter when we explode uh, for offensive uh, uh 
offensive possessions with points and, and, and plays, we're going to have that Washington defense tired because they're going to be beat down from our offensive line and running the football. Um, so the biggest thing for me is take care of the football. Everything else will take care of itself. Defense needs to be this defense, right? Um, Michael Penix is a Heisman candidate. Uh, oh, boy, is, he is very, very, very good. But I think that we have the back end and the front seven to be able to defend him but like nobody else. I mean, Washington's only played two ranked teams this year, right, Oregon and USC last week. And um, I think all their other competition, I don't think they've seen anything like this Utah defense. And I think that um, we, we, we got their number. I, I feel like I feel very confident. I got to watch more film. But I feel very confident going into this football game against Washington. What's it like up there, Sly? <clears throat> Excuse me. I've actually never been to that stadium. It's one of the few in this uh, footprint that I've never been. What's the, what's the atmosphere like for you fans maybe making that trip for the first time? Well, man, this is going to be my first time, too. I've never been. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> so okay. I, not even in uh, my, my professional career did I play the, at, uh, with the Seahawks, uh, against the Seahawks. I mean, I, I, I haven't been to Seattle to play a game. So I am very excited for this because I absolutely love uh, watching, watching Washington games on TV. That setting is absolutely beautiful, and um, I think it's great college football setting. Uh, so I'm very excited for that. But um, I heard that the game is sold out. I heard that they sold out tickets. So it's going to be uh, a gnarly, gnarly game um, that I cannot wait to, to feel that atmosphere. And um, it's just going to be awesome. I think they were, what, 50-plus, 50,000 strong in that stadium. Um, No, their capacity is 70,000. Excuse me, Husky Stadium, 70,000. So seeing that is just going to be absolutely awesome. I can't wait for that. BYU going bowling slide before I sell you loose. Are they going to get to six? Now you're asking the real tough Uh question. Uh, (laughs) um, BYU, man, going to the Big 12, is. we always knew it was going to be a very uh, hard go out of it. I, I know they, uh, they've, they've had it rough, man. And, um, and for me, uh, if I look at their remaining schedule and, and what they got to do to get there, they got Iowa state this week, Oklahoma and, uh, and Oklahoma state, both ranked teams. And um, they need one more win. If they don't get a win this weekend, I don't see it happening. Um which this Iowa State game is going to be, that's going to be a tough one too, right? I think Iowa State's favored in that game. They're both five and four fighting for um, uh, bowl eligibility. And I think that uh, uh, Iowa State, they got Texas and Kansas State after this. So their schedule's tough. So both of them were going to look at this game as like, this is our, our way to get bowl eligible. I don't see BYU making that happen. So I think they go um, these next 0-3, these next three games, but I could be surprised, you know, no game has ever won or lost before it's played. And, um, and But I don't see it happening. I don't think uh, BYU uh, makes eligibility this year. Sly, you're the man. Safe travels up there. We'll get you back on next week, all right? You're the man. Thanks, Vince. All right, Stevenson Sylvester, former Ute, former Pittsburgh Steeler, on the drive on a Tuesday. <clears throat> all right, we welcome in Ryan from the Dish Pros. What's the uh, best college football road trip you've ever been on? Does one come to mind? I know you you, you travel from time to time. Um, probably the best. Well, the Pac-12 championship game last year. Yeah, that was that was uh, awesome. That was the that was one of the best games I've ever been to. That was awesome. Speaking of the Pac-12, love it or hate it, you're going to need it down the stretch. Um, and even when it goes away, it doesn't doesn't kill you because <laughs> you got the Big 12 network dish.
has everything you need as a Utah sports fan. Ryan from the Dish Pros uh, joins us now. Yeah, that's uh, that's what we we wanted to 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 put the best uh, lineup together. And you know, Dish actually did it this year. They were able to get everything from the Jazz games to all the college football games, Pac-12 this season, Big 12 next season. Um, you actually get all the the SEC networks, the ACC, all the, all those are built into the system so you have access to all the games and um, the best price out there. And the, the price we've saved, the amount of money we've saved people this year, it's uh, it's been actually really fun. I, I guess that's the best word I can put it for. I mean, yeah. I know we're we're here to make money, but um, you know, hearing the stories and having you know, I've had customers call me back because I said, "What did I save you like sixty, seventy dollars?" I'm like, "Yeah, I think so." And then call me back. Oh, no, actually, it's like one hundred and twenty dollars, and just just super happy about that. And um, having the ability to do that and save people a ton of money and get them the a price guarantee for three years, I'm in. Let's go. So I can tell you, as a former Direct TV guy. You should change for free. You, you should yeah. <laughs> change for free. You, you know what? Even if today's promotion was like, hey, you're paying $5 more per month for Dish than DirecTV, you should still do it. Okay? Now, the nice thing is today's promotion is very much not that. Not that. Okay. <laughs> $300. Yeah. Uh, that's a gift card that you get just for making the change from DirecTV to Dish. Then also, there's a little urgency today that we haven't had since we've been out here this year. The three-year price lock guarantee, which is not a contract, but you have a set price that you pay every month, yep. that goes away on Monday. That goes away, and that's the uh, that's the big one. You know, that really is the the three hundred dollars is kind of like the icing on the cake. The the price guarantee is a big deal, but yeah, like you said, if you're a direct TV customer and you're sixty, eighty, hundred bucks a month. Uh, you look out 36 months. You can do the math pretty quick in your head. You're it's real three, money. Yeah, you're three grand really in your pocket. That's a family vacation. That's a lot of cool things you can do. Uh, just uh, and plus, you know, the equipment's better. Bigger DVR, auto hops, commercials, voice remote. Uh, you'll get all the games in one place. Netflix, YouTube, Amazon Video Prime, or channels. So it's just easy to get to uh, to get a better system. And uh, we want to, you know, make sure people are getting the best deal they can. And that's what we do. Bottom line is this: if you have, if you listen to the show and you haven't called Ryan, and you're in the spot where we're talking to you as a Directv subscriber or a cable subscriber and a streaming subscriber, because you incentivize people that even are non-Directv subscribers to make the change. It, it's complacency. I mean, this is what it was with me. Yeah, it is. Remember for like oh, a I decade, I'd come in and do shows. You'd be like, Spence, we got to get you off DirecTV. I'm like, got to go, Ryan. And so finally when we moved, I said, I'm going to call his bluff. Yeah. I'm going to make the change. And so basically I was complacent for years. And but I you look, were happy the moment you did it. Well, and I look back on all of the money I could have saved if I just got off my ass. You know, and you guys, you're a one-stop shop. You have great installers. Like, just make the call today because you guys can handle all of it. And make the call today. So we do this extra special. So if you're a cable customer or a streamer, you have all those uh, different services, you get $100 cash back today, today only. Three-year offer still there. We'll lock in with that. We've got the Pac-12 network. We've got the, uh, all the college football channels, all the jazz games. And here's the thing. You get uh, the NFL red zone still. That offer is still there for the remainder of the season. Um, and we'll, we can help you, too, with the Internet. The Internet solutions, we still have them, 25 50 bucks a month. 
The combination of those things, we can help so many people. And don't be complacent. Don't sit on your hands. Today's the day. Pick up the phone. Get the 100 bucks cash back. Make the switch. See what we can do. See how, much, how many thousands we can save you. Yeah, don't, don't be me where in 10 years you do the calculation. You're like, damn it. Oh, damn. <laughs> I might be living on Oahu now if I called Ryan. All right, 801-424-DISH. Ryan, you're the man. Love it. Thank you. All right, coming up on the other side, we're going to catch up with Dave Fox. Before we catch a break, I've to tell you about my friends at Utah FTW 360. It is a brand-new app that was brought to my attention about three weeks ago. And ever since the day I downloaded it, it's become a daily stop for me to see if this app has behind-the-scenes coverage of Utah football that we don't get, that nobody gets. So it's Utah FTW 360. You get player profiles, game stats, exclusive behind-the-scenes videos, and more. And also, brand-new Ram 1500 truck. That's right. Now, not everybody gets one, but you do have a chance to enter uh, to win a brand-new Ram 1500 truck just by downloading the app. At the end of the year, one lucky fan is going to win the truck. And you can also win other prizes like free tickets and signed merch every week. Anyone who downloads the app is entered to win. So get the Utah FTW 360 app today. Okay, now the winner's truck may vary. No purchase necessary. Giveaway ends at 11.59 p.m. Mountain Time on December 31st, 2023. Open only to legal residents in the state of Utah who are 21 or older with Internet access and a valid email address. Limit to one entry per person, household, or email address. See official rules at ftw360.com. Void where prohibited. All right, Dave Fox is next right here on ESPN 700. Live today at the Dish Professionals out here at 8034 South State Street. You can also give them a call at 801-424-DISH. Watching a replay of Utah-Arizona State. Spoiler alert, uh, it was not close. If you haven't seen it, uh, we're going to bring in Tom Haberstow in the 5 o'clock hour to help us understand exactly what's going on with the Utah Jazz, the basketball team that's not playing great basketball right now. But time now for our... Semi-regular visit with the legend himself. He owns two Pelotons, and he also owns two Emmys. He is the great Dave Fox. On a Tuesday, happy Tuesday, Dave. How we doing, buddy? Excellent. Nice uh, rejoin music there, whatever gets you through the night. Did I just hear you say you're on 8400 South right now? Is that right? 8034 South State Street. Yes, out here with my my guys at the Dish Bros. You're going to have to hurry to get up here by 630, but I know you can do it. I'm planning on doing it, Dave. I will be there on time. We're going to do a little uh, little talking jazz tonight on the program. By the way, what's up with oh, me? Ke- what, what? Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I what's say up? I love it when you do talking jazz because you bring an element unlike any other, and I'm so excited for this show. We've already got it mapped out. I'm telling you, folks, you do not want to miss Spence Checkets when he drops, I mean, the real knowledge on what's going on with the Utah Jazz tonight on Talking Jazz. So there you go. I'm excited. Yeah, it's different when you don't work for the team. You know, you can actually actually you know talk about what's really going on. Uh, speak, speaking of which, what's going on with me catching strays right out of the gates from Locke on episode one? I mean, why is he giving me crap? I, I mean, I, I didn't do anything. What, what, I, I watched the first iteration of, iteration of Talking Jazz, and I turn it on, and suddenly I'm catching strays. What's going on, man? No, no, no. That was leftover from last spring remember how i brought you in we did those two summer specials on the draft 
and you did both of them. And it started then when Locke was asking, well, why didn't I do one of those? <laughs> and you remember that. Last of course spring, I do. You, well, you, we had a little fun banner back and forth. I think all this was was it was an extension of that. That's all. I'm participating in the bit, Dave. I'm participating in the bit. No part of me cares what David Locke thinks about me. I'm just participating in the bit, Dave, is is what happens. All right, here's my question for you. Okay, you're going to ask me the questions tonight, but you're on my show, so I'm going to ask you the question. Is this potentially... You're not going to ask me the same questions, are you? Is this potentially the worst Jazz team since they were like, hey, come watch Al Jefferson hold the ball for 19 seconds every offensive set and try to make a shot? Like... Are we potentially dealing with the worst Jazz team since that year, maybe? Oh, man, I don't know that I'm ready to go that far yet because it's still early. It's close. Well, that was a bad team. I forgot the old let Al just stand. Yeah, that was awful. Um, no, I'm not going to go there yet. And the only reason is because I think there I – mean, we all know there are a number of issues with this team. I, I don't see a lot of chemistry right now. But a couple of things, by the way, Spence, before I get back to immediately answering your question, don't forget that there was a point last year, I think both you and Locke kind of agreed with this on different shows, that the Jazz might actually take a step back. And that's part of the rebuilding process, if you will, because you're bringing in younger players. And that's kind of what they've done. The worst team since that, no, and obviously there were some even worse teams way back in the early day. We won't even go that far. I don't know. I'm not ready to, to name them the worst team just yet uh, because there's still so much time and we're still early. There are some things that can perhaps be fixed. Uh, so we'll see where that, that goes. But I'm going to say no on that. And the schedule does start to even out. I mean, in order to be fair to everybody, we have to acknowledge they played some some really, really good teams. And, you know, coming up, the schedule evens out a little bit. I, I don't think they're as good as uh, some people around here believe, and I don't think they're as bad as they've, uh, as they've shown. But ultimately, when it comes to whether or not they want to be competitive at a high level, Dave, I, they got to upgrade the perimeter. They just do. I don't know if that's acquisition. I don't know if it's seen more about Keontae, but... They're an excellent rebounding team because they have good size and they have a good front line, but almost every measurable metric when it comes to analyzing what the perimeter group does is really bad. Not just like average, like bottom five in the league with pretty much all of it. Well, and you you and I were texting last night as we were talking about talking jazz, and you brought up a really good point in that there's two options. Either, A, you're tanking for a second year, but you're probably a little late on that, or B, you want to go to the playoffs, but to do that, we're gonna, you're going to have to upgrade somewhere, and that only means through by way of a trade. And who knows that that could be? I think we all know that that the art of the trade is something that Danny Ainge really, really likes. So we'll see what he does in that respect going forward. But yeah, something is going to have to change, especially as you said. You know, the point guard position is a struggle right now, and you could just hand it over to the rookie, but it's going to be there's going to be growing pains there. But I would support that because ultimately it's going to pay off, I believe. Yeah, and you know I I, I repeat this often, and I'll take the opportunity now to do it again. Um, if you're looking for like a blueprint as far as how this process, and I'll, I'll say hopefully goes, because you never know with best laid plans. You just look at what Danny did in Boston. Um, after breaking down the Garnett-Pierce uh, group, 
uh, just like he did with Gobert and Mitchell. He found a young, really talented head coach in Brad Stevens, gave him a five-year deal, did the same thing with Will, five-year deal with Will, and he told Brad Stevens, I'm going to make some trades. We're going to figure this out, but you're going to be the guy throughout all the ups and downs. Now, the ups and downs were expedited because he was able to get some good lottery luck and had Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and then some smart veteran acquisitions like Al Horford, drafts Marcus Smart. Like, Danny did a lot of things right. in Boston that he has not done here yet. But if you're looking for a blueprint about what this process entails, just go look at what Danny Ainge did in Boston. Yeah, I agree. And don't forget, it takes a little bit of time. And, you know, when you begin that process of acquiring assets, you, you, it's not going to turn around in one year. Nope. Like you just pointed out, it, it it just doesn't happen. And I think, I agree with you, I think there are a number, boy, I mean, I don't, I don't have anything to base this on, but there are a number of Jazz fans that really believe that last year was the, the year the Jazz acquired all the assets they need, and now it's on to the finals. There's a, still a ton of work to do, and this is going to take several years. Don't forget, and and we remind people this all the time, they weren't tanking back then. It took Stockton and Malone a decade to get to the NBA Finals. And that was playing together. And they finally had to bring in, you know, a piece, Jeff Hornacek, that really basically put them over the top. This takes a lot of time. They gave the, you know, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert. I mean, they didn't give him 10 years, but they gave him enough time until they realized it just was not going to work. But they're in the same situation. It takes time. You don't build it overnight unless you literally have, you know. I mean, the Spurs aren't going to win the title next year, this year. And yet, they're well on their way with the drafting of Wimbayama. That's just the way it is. Yeah, don't get me started on that. I'm already grumpy. I'm tired. Monday Night Football yeah, was horrible. Tired. It's already dark. I, I can't do the Wimbayama oh. stuff right now. Um, all right, Dave, let's move over to some Utah football. Uh, I don't want to call it a get-right game because I think that that uh, that's not fair to Arizona State and who they had been prior to Saturday. Now, Arizona State's not a world beater. I don't do the thing where I paint all of our local teams' opponents as Super Bowl contenders so they look better after they win. But Arizona State yeah. had been playing like a ton better than they did to start the year. You know, they made they should they they should have won that Colorado game. Washington, the number five team in the country, was lucky to beat them at home. Yeah. And then they did beat Washington State. Now, Wazoo's not certainly the team that we all thought they were going to be. But to undress ASU like that, I feel bad that ASU ran into a grumpy team uh, the way they did with the University of Utah. What were your takeaways with Utah handling ASU over the weekend? I was a little surprised because we had seen them play very well against a couple opponents. They played very well against Washington. They put together, you know, but then, again, they've had some injuries uh, on top of that. But maybe instead of a get-well game for a Utah team, it was more of a get-real game for Arizona State because despite whatever shortcomings the Utes have right now, obviously a quarterback to start with, although Bryson Barnes has done a nice job filling in, but you know what I'm saying, from what they had planned to do this year, uh, they still have a great hard-hitting defense, the defense that clearly misses Lander Barton, uh, and that defense can make a mess out of a lot of teams, and that's exactly what it did to Arizona State. So, you know, you said you're not trying to slight them or anything by referring to it as a get-well game, and I hadn't really thought of it that way. I mean, I'll tell you, last week going into it, I thought the Utes might have a little bit of a struggle based on what Arizona State had shown us. But 
Uh, yeah, it was, like I said, it was a, more of a get real game for Arizona State than a get well game for Utah. Because you know what's coming up now? A get real game for the Utes. We'll see what happens with that. So Washington, when it comes to uh, an Achilles heel, I guess is how I'll put it, they're 121st in the country in pass defense. Okay, so what that does is put more pressure on Utah's quarterback. And we saw Bryson last week throw for four touchdowns. Can Bryson go up to Seattle and be the reason Utah wins? Because Washington's pretty good against the run, but they're not good against the throw game, as Kyle would say. Do you have confidence Bryson can go up there and, and perform? Oh, I don't have a, a huge level of confidence in that. That team is just so good and uh, having so many weapons. I think back to that the Oregon game here and how miserable that was, you know, for the Utes. And, you know, you can't play that well. Let's see, Washington beat Oregon. Oregon crushed the Utes. That means Washington's going to crush these. That doesn't work because there's, you know, it's always matchups that, that come into play on these things. Um, but, you know, it's, I think if if Bryson is efficient, he doesn't have to be a world beater. He cannot turn over the ball. What would really help is if they just had – it's hard to have, you know, long, sustained drives when if you're not running the ball well. But what's the number one goal? The number one goal is keep the ball out of Penix's hands. That's what you've got to do. So now you're asking the Utes to, you know, run 10, 12 play drives if it's even possible against a team like Washington. And I think that's probably about the only way they can really enjoy some success up there. So if they can pull that off. Now, remember, in that USC game, and one thing they did defensively, remember how they kept subbing out the big defensive linemen almost every play to keep uh, USC from you know speeding up the game? Now, this is obviously the opposite of, of the offense taking some time, but maybe you'll see a little bit of that as well just to, to keep everyone rested and to keep, Penix and, and the Huskies from really going off. And if you notice the very next week in that game, uh, USC's next game, the same thing was happening. So that's no secret. It's not like the Utes unveiled some blueprint, but it certainly worked for them. And now you, I suspect you're going to see a lot of other teams trying that when they need to. All right, so to start the year, and honestly throughout the offseason as well, I mean, it's always hard to analyze college football in May or whatever, but we all knew that BYU was in for their first trip down P5 lane as a member of the Big 12 Conference, and so I maintain that bowl eligibility and anything beyond is gravy year one. And I'll tell you what, Dave, if they don't get it on Saturday against Iowa State at home, It's Oklahoma at home, then it's OK State on the road, and OK State just got Oklahoma and Bedlam. Is BYU going bowling, man? Are they going to be bowl eligible? Well, I tell you, and Spence, whether it's been five questions with Spence or me on your show, you and I have had this conversation a number of times about making the jump to a Power 5 conference. And you, you, it doesn't matter if you play Power 5 teams for you know five out of your six games or whatever, and you played this great schedule. It's a different animal when you're in those leagues and you're playing week in and week out. The Utes went through it. It takes time to catch up with your recruiting, to get your talent level up to speed, to get your offensive defensive lines where they're deep enough to compete. And I think that's what we're starting to experience right now because, you know, you, you go into this this year, and again, let's go back to fandom, right, what, what the fans expect, and they think, well, wait a minute, we've, we've played – P5 non-conference games for years, and we've been great at it. 
It's just it's a whole different thing. And you hit it on the head that they cannot figure out a way to beat Iowa State. And I think bowling is in big trouble. Or as an old sportscaster in Utah, Bill Howard used to say, they're in deep yogurt. So they better figure out a way to get it done on Saturday because, man, there's some, you know, I mean, who thought Oklahoma State was going to look this good, you know, for example. And, you know, while Oklahoma's up and down, that that's still a very good team, and they're battle-tested year in and year out, and they understand what it takes. So I'm with you. you, you you've got to win Saturday, but I'm not going to say that that's going to be a very easy win, especially with the quarterback situation down in Provo. So maybe it gets back to what we were talking about with the Jazz, right? Patience. It just takes time when you make that jump to a Power 5 league. All right, Dave. Thanks, buddy. See you in about an hour and a half, okay? Uh, four, four, five. Yep, perfect. I can't wait. Did It'll you be just great. do the math? Pocket Jazz. Fence jackets. I just did the math really quick. All right. So on uh, KMYU tonight, 1035 after the newscast, you can also stream it. You know, that's what the kids like to do at KUTV.com. Thank you, David. See you soon. All right, Dave Fox.